everyone, and welcome back to the Project Manga Podcast, where we cover One Piece, My Hero Academia, Black Clover Mashal, Dr. Stone, and Jujutsu Kaisen, week to week, finally back this week to discuss Weekly Shonen Jump issue number 43. I'm your host, Knox. I'm Melianus. After what is probably the longest break that we have ever taken on this show, Thank you so much for your patience out there. We had some things that we had to iron out behind the scenes, but we are back in full effect. Content is back on track in every way. And big streams coming up, including our Don to Don stream that we've been talking about for months now, and our 3K subscriber milestone stream that we will finally be doing within the next couple of weeks here. So once again, thank you all so much for your patience and bearing with us through these trying times. We're back in full effect, and we're ready to talk about Weekly Shonen Jump. And what a week we have. Before we get into that, of course, we'd like you to take a look at the description down below. That is going to be where you can find us on all of our individual social media accounts, such as Twitter. Uh, ways that you can join our online communities like Discord. Um, ways that you can listen to us wherever you normally consume your podcasts like Apple Music or Spotify. And ways that you can support what we do here by checking out our online store and our Patreon. Online store is recently back online. After some design overhauls and just wanting to find better products to print our designs on, the online store is back in full effect with new designs on the way coming soon. Uh, also, shout out to Artesian Builds. We recently partnered with them. They're a computer company um, for, that builds custom-made computers for you, top-of-the-line quality. They'll actually build your rig for you live on their Twitch channel. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that before. So definitely check them out. That's really cool. We have a promo code, Project Manga. We'll throw that down in the description for you. If you are in the market to upgrade your current equipment or you just want to take a look at what they have, really top of the line stuff, give them a look. But getting into the discussion tonight, weekly Shonen Jump issue number 43. Mellow, how do you feel? New crib, new internet, new mic. What's going on with you, brother? We're living again. Let's do this. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Super excited. Let's just jump right into Jujutsu Kaisen, chapter 160, Colony. How do we feel? It. I've been waiting for the culling games. Yeah. Like, I know that some of our like Discord members have been like salivating, waiting for the day. It's finally here. Yeah. We're about it. And the introduction to it is terrifying <laughs> absolutely so so like one of the better setup chapters that i've seen in a while like i, I like setup chapters is supposed to make you super excited for what's coming next and a lot of setup chapters do a really good job of that inside of weekly shonen jump but i think that the culling game is one that's taken so long since its original um mention to actually begin that all of this buildup leading up to it, it reminds me a lot of, even though it's not as extensive of a buildup, it reminds me a lot of the buildup to the Chimera Antarch. You really wanted to get to whatever the hell it was they were trying to do. And it seemed like there was so much setup in so many different areas. A lot of people actually complain about that inside the Chimera Antarch, but a couple, and you know, maybe I did too the first time I watched it. I think I have a memory of that. But like leading up to like a really big event, sometimes it takes, you know, a retrospective look after the event to see how it was built up before you can really tell if the setup was proper. And I could tell right away inside of this that it's leading into something spectacular. And I am more than excited for, for what we're about to go into right now. And it did a really good job of showing like the ground level, you know what I mean, for citizens, you know, and civilians of Japan and the areas where the culling games are going to be taking place. So that's really fucking cool. 
um whenever you whenever we get frontline ground level perspectives for like big cataclysmic or really big built up things that are probably going to be reminiscent of a war you know what i mean it's always nice to have that regular normie you know perspective so yeah you're like hey i'm not a main character what's what's going on yeah <laughs> yeah exactly uh this opening scene was fire uh i think it is showing you know a little bit of ghetto's charisma or or, or kenjaku's rather kenjaku's mm -hmm. charisma shown in this opening scene while he's talking with uh sasaki this is the same individual that uh was in like the very first arc of, of Juju, like the very first, first chapter or whatever yeah. she was like you know the um the occult club yes, high school occult club yeah the, yeah yeah the high school occult club chick and you even see her homeboy that got saved you know by yuji and 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 megumi later on in that chapter or later on in that episode mm -hmm. like it's just both of them so that was like cool to see them again i legitimately did not remember who these characters were at first i was like sasaki iguchi Real quick Google search. I was like, oh, man. Honestly. Occult, was, the occult club kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was a little confused at first because, like, I was like, who is this lady? And I was like, it's like, I can't impose unreasonable conditions. Uh, right. Those of you who didn't have the right to leave, but only once. Yeah. And then I was like, okay. And then it was like, thanks for getting along with my son. I'm like, wait, what? And then I like look down and I see that guy's face and I'm like, I recognize that square mug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, that blew me. Cause I was like, I was like, wait a minute. I know he's got to be talking about Yuji, but like, who are these people then? <laughs> you know, and then you, and then you just, just like, Google Sasaki and Iguchi and you're like, oh yeah. It's so good. Uh, honestly, so it takes almost the entire chapter but there's this little bookend moment that I really want to touch up. Like the pay first page, it looks almost like um, a petri dish, like mm. things germinating and growing in it. Oh, but I sure. Like that solid black circle. It represents that. Like at first, it re uh, represents the boundary, right? Yes. Because and then like it really hit me when I turned a page like. 12 13 that double spread and saw that giant cylindrical yes. pylon yes. of cursed energy um for the sendai colony and i and i immediately thought i went back to the first page and i was like wait oh no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what that is that's really cool that you made oh. um a comparison to like a petri dish with like bacteria in it and that and us potentially like that potentially having some kind of symbolism there i definitely did not think of that my dumb ass thought that was like the planet and like the <laughs> the continents and shit i did not look close enough at oh, it yeah. i well, definitely thought it was, I was just like what is that yeah like, hmm that's and hilarious it's like the idea of like colony at the center too like the way it's positioned it's very very yeah. purposeful yeah yeah um, for sure there was a thing so like little notes on the art yeah which i thought was really interesting because like i love like the solid black framing that starts in the first few pages where he's just like yeah hey i'm here these are very strange like almost awkward angles yeah and to like enhance that dreamlike quality of where he's at and then like uh his scars themselves are looking more ragged and i can't tell if that's mm. just because um it's close up but then if you look 
at the zoom out on like six, seven, eight, nine, and stuff, they're kind of further apart too. Um, right. One of the members in our server mentioned that they thought it was a sign that it was the sign of like Ghetto's body degrading. Okay. Or, in regard to the and, scars. In regard to the scars. Okay. But then also someone was saying uh, it. They thought it was because it was um, Itadori's mom had very similar scars. Right. And I don't, and they're like kind of arguing, and I was like, oh, I was like, no, honestly, like I think both those ideas have merit and yeah. would make sense if they were both correct. Sure. Because like Yuji's parents died shortly after he was born. Well, I think um, I. Well, I mean, we like definitely after, we got like the kid, right? we so got the flashback. Kids. We got the flashback in like chapter one hundred and forty three, and it was um, it was literally showing Yuji's dad Jin holding a baby, and then you know the mother, you know what I mean, or the the wife, you know, of Jin. Mom Jaku. Yeah, Mom Jaku. Right. So 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 we definitely know that. Kenjaku at least jumped into the body of that woman, you know, probably after, you know what I mean? Yuji was born or maybe before. I don't think that's been clarified yet. But I mean, there's definitely credence for the Kenjaku, Yuji's, you know, mom or Jin's, you know, wife. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Like, that situation is pretty clear. You know what I mean? But as far as, like, his body looking like it's potentially degrading over time, I wouldn't hold it. I wouldn't put it past Gage to put it in a detail like that, an unspoken visual detail like that, that you just kind of Absolutely. like notice over time. I feel like that'd be fine. I mean, I also think it's like, it's uh, that moment of creepiness. It's like that slow easing degrade. And after a while, like, uh, if like, like when a manga artist updates their style, they do it very slowly. Right. And they introduce all those details. And then by the end of it, it's like, wow, this looks very different from, first episode yeah yeah absolutely um, so it might simply be that but it could be foreshadowing or something um i'd love it i actually really like the lines in like the first half of this chapter like a lot yeah the conversation in the beginning of the of the chapter is big because i'm sure a lot of people i think ourselves included once the conditions and the rules of the culling game were originally given to us we knew that these colonies you know or these barriers these curtains would be you know sprouting up and sectioning off certain parts of japan for the game and i think either it was either addressed directly in the manga by a character maybe megumi you know or maybe it was brought up just in the community in discussion like what happens to the people you know who just so happened to be in the proximity of the barrier or of the curtain at the time of the game that doesn't want to be there and then it, i think it actually said in the rules like people have one chance to get out you know of the colony or, or to leave the game you know what i mean if they want to mm -hmm. so we were and and obviously this chapter is talking about that and giving us that situation but it's cool that it shows ghetto in this situation going to someone who didn't you know sign up for the game or may not want to be in the game that just so happened to be in proximity of the curtain and say hey I'm here, we're doing a thing. He's very blunt about it. He doesn't really pull too many punches. Like people are gonna be killing each other in here. You know what I mean? He's so like, yeah, yeah, he's- Apologies, Yeah, this is gonna, it's gonna happen. Yeah, he's, he's telling her, you know, exactly what's going to go down, you know, but he's not, 
you know he's 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 it's showing it's the it's the manga showing us this situation of how is this going to be handled when someone is just so happens to be inside of a colony that doesn't want to be there so it them showing us this scene this way with kenjaku being the one to escort sasaki out of the colony does a lot for for kenjaku's character just in general and also as an antagonist you know what i mean because he's very calculated he has a goal he doesn't fuck with humanity all that much and we know that at this point but he's also not ruthless and random and you know what i mean like just killing anybody yeah. for for whatever reason just because he's the bad guy we've seen enough of that his motivations are very solid they're very tight they're very I don't want to say well understood at this point, but it's like we know the kind of character that Kenjaku is. And it's like, hey, random human that's not a part of my game. I don't really care about you, but I'm still going to escort you out of this because I created this rule in the first place for this game. So there's got to be some reason he isn't just saying fuck all the humans inside of this colony, I you know, and just letting them die. So it's cool to see that we have an absolutely diabolical villain that still behaves in ways that are that kind of contradict like seemingly merciful yeah seemingly merciful you know what i mean like yeah. it, it's cool like it's nuanced showing a, a benevolent side to himself right um right. honestly this is a huge thing for kenjaku's like insight into his personality because this is the first like this is the most he's talked about really anything that wasn't like hey we're gonna capture gojo and here's how we do it step one two and three he's just right. like hey you don't know me and that's okay. Like, um, the line is like, the place is chosen for people to kill each other in the culling game. Unfortunately, that is not an honor. Right. And it's like, could you not do that in my house? And he's like, you're funny. <laughs> anyway, yeah. this is why it's happening. Yeah. This is what's going on. And he's like, this requires immense effort. And he's like, I can't impose, impose unreasonable conditions. So that's why I feel like he is basically... We've already seen when they use veils defensively or offensively to capture or contain a person, and they right. uh, allow, it's like, I can allow all the other sorcerers except for Gojo Satoru. You know, they've done that before. So I think it's basically a trade off of conditions to maintain the wall on participants. Sure. And it's like, and so it gives the things like, oh, you didn't sign up for this, then you're not a true participant, and that strengthens what the binary, right? Like instead oh. of being the neutral system, by allowing all non people to opt out, you can they create non-participant, which creates the counter of participant. Yes. And that creates a divide in yeah. meaning and literal symbolism. Absolutely. Like um, that's so a I really cool thought. I think that's the part um, that reinforces the veil. Yeah. And I, I think that like Jujutsu Kaisen has like a very underlying theme of separation and mixing over and over again. And like you can separate and mix and separate and remix and re separate and remix over and over again, but you won't be the same thing. Right. Like, uh, like uh, the ship of Theseus, right? Like, mm, yeah. How many boards can you take away and replace before many, it's not yeah. the same ship? Yeah. How many Kenjakus uh, are you going to live until you are no longer Kenjaku? Like, oh wow. Um, like, or like, how many traumas can a person sustain before they are no longer the person they once were? Like, Great question. Like really cool Yuji, thought. Especially with Yuji, because yeah. he's he's gotten very different and he tends to like flip a switch and he's like, I'm cold. I'm, I, you know, I'm about it. I'm doing my job. I'm, 
compartmentalizing everything because of in response. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. Real quick, going back to the um, to the barrier, to the veil, to the curtain, right? Whatever, whatever terminology we want to use for that. It's been called so many things and so many translations. I'm not sure exactly. I think Kenjaku says barrier in this uh, mm -hmm. in this chapter, and I, I don't remember the last time we talked about curtains or or barriers in Jujutsu Kaisen. Mm -hmm. Probably recently, and I just don't remember. But Kenjaku makes a comment that the execution site. There's an execution site that is at the center of the barrier. Right. And he makes a comment about how difficult it was to um, erect these curtains or these barriers. Right. And since the execution site is the center of the barrier and it kind of goes out in 360 degrees, I think he said five to six kilometers in, in, in all directions. It probably has something to do with like the strength or ease of the creation of the barrier. Right. Because it's like it's an execution site at the center. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, execution it's like site. magic. Right. So it's like, well, I mean, if we know that curse energy kind of propagates through fear and and, um, you know, and, and malice and, and just just negative emotions in general, there's probably a whole bunch of that stuff going on when you're talking about an execution site. People mm -hmm. think about that and just feel negative period you know what i mean so i'm assuming that a lot of these areas where these barriers you know for these colonies are going to pop up are going to have you know something to do with some kind of um you know macabre you know or or just dark you know yeah. happening uh, you know I what i mean just to help the ease are. of the creation or the erection of the barrier i think it's about um you know uh similar actions like it's an expansion like i think his barrier is directly tied to the execution site and like the malice and the idea of killing another person right. so that he commits a trap for those who are to be killed or the ones who are ready to be killed sure you know, i think that like sympathy magic is like a huge thing that are tied to it like he's using it expanding the resonance of that sort of malice and like the function of that place and and kind of cementing the, its specific function to an area yeah um that's the kind of vibe i get from that yeah i like that i, I wonder if it's going to be another execution site or if like you said it might simply be a site of tragedy yeah like a it's graveyard Japan. or like you know if it's japan i was wondering if it was gonna be like um what's it called i think it's the shinomiya incident um there was i believe i'm probably butchering it so if there's any history nerds or yeah. poly guys in the comments please let me know yeah yeah i believe it's called the shinomiya incident there was a cult um that set off like a poison bomb in a subway um damn a lot of people and so if that's a thing um, i promise you a barrier is going up around so that I, area I think, I think that would be really interesting if they touched on it but like also it is like a real life tragedy We've oh sure sure come under fire for referencing tragedies before with like garaki in my hero Academia. oh so yeah, yeah, yeah 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 if, if gay is going to be comfortable doing that like it's an option no that's a good point that's a good point if it's tied if it's tied that closely to reality then maybe not maybe maybe yeah, i take back no, saying i guarantee like, it's going to be a place like, for a barrier but yeah <laughs> yeah like are they gonna how in depth are they going to get with that sort of reference like like okay execution site well you know what every country's awful there's always been an execution site no matter where no matter where you live there's yeah. been one Right. Um, so like that's easier to do
Absolutely. And that might also be the abstract. And then having a very specific incident tied to it might be a nice contrast. So sure. I, that's what I'm thinking. That's a really cool thought, man. No, for sure. I, 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 now that you bring it up, I wonder how Gege would, you know, kind of deal with something like that. I don't think they've referenced any specific, you know, um, moments that are that, you know, uh, you know, serious to real life Japanese history. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm wrong. I just can't remember any off the top of my head. But like Gege does a really good job of letting you know that like there are there's a lot of um, spirituality and death related things in Japan's history. Even if he's not directly referencing anything that's actually happened, all of this stuff sounds, you know, really good for Japan based on what we know just from reading manga and, and what we hear about it and what we choose to research. Like, it all sounds good. Like, it all sounds like it fits in, even if he's not referencing specific things. So maybe he doesn't need to do that. But, yeah. um, but uh, if, he, if, he, if, you know, if he did, then like, whatever. Um, yeah. Another option would be, like, um, like, uh, like one of those Oda Nobunaga-style castles where they got, like, trapped and sieged in and the whole place burned down. So the idea of, like, trapping and then also violence... Yeah. Would probably be the key to the there. Um yeah. because like the people that get executed, they are not free. Right. By any means. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but like I really love this hard line of it's like when I awaken, am I dreaming? The space between dream and reality is, is a, a curse. curse. That was so such a careful. bar. So be careful. The yeah. hasty ones are already outside. And then you have that six, seven double spread, yes, haunting, just like mm, that's stark, yeah. And then just flip, giant naked mole rat, yes, getting eviscerated, naked um, mole rat. I didn't even think it, about that. It looks awful. That's There's hilarious. Like pterodactyl looking things in the background. There's like you can yeah. see some figures, um, like watching this giant like mole rat on the rooftop they're like yeah we fucked that thing up dude there's another um, one in the distance <laughs> yeah like there's another equally sized maybe even bigger depending you know like on how we choose to scale the perspective like, yeah the tiny things that are dinosaurs which i normally think of as big and then this tiny thing like a tiny mole rat is like massive yeah. i'm like what's going on? It, it's a nice surreal moment. I love this image on eight and nine. It's yeah. so good. And and get and Ghetto or Kenjaku on six and seven, walking with Sasaki, mild smirk on his face, turn the page into the bigger double spread. Now that we're outside of the curtain, or at least we can see inside of it in whatever, you know, the previous scenes was blocking. We now have full vision of that and Kenjaku's smile is just way bigger <laughs> you know what i mean like now that the carnage is actually being shown mm -hmm. you know what i mean He's so like ah like, oh, yes i love it when a plan comes together exactly exactly little visual storytelling like that gege snapped in the art of this chapter and just with like the 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 imagery that we get and the quality of art and how hard gege went on the image on the imagery and the art throughout this chapter lets us know that they've got to be wildly excited to start going into this arc finally and this I mean, is one hell like, of a setup chapter for it i swear to god mm -hmm. i mean they seem like they were having a lot of fun in the previous chapters and like yeah. i know that they were on a break so i'm they're like they're like i've been waiting for this um I it's love time to get it in dream. what'd you say um i like that they had all the same dream and then we get into yes. kind of like the complicated planning part which is only like 
four pages really right but it's still Um, like i love these war room discussion like here's what we're thinking we have this new information here's what we're going to do with it this is the best that we can come up with for now so here's mm -hmm. how we're going to approach it i'm assuming there's a lot more conversation that happens you know between the actual scene with them discussing things and the final couple excuse me the final couple of pages of the chapter because as you can see hakari you know, is in a wife beater with another wife beater underneath it or whatever the fuck he's this wearing. Yeah, yeah. And then and then the last couple of pages is him in like a whole jacket. Now, it doesn't take a whole lot of time to just throw a jacket on, but we can assume that some decent, at least a little bit of time has passed in between their conversation and the last page, the last couple pages, you know, of the chapter. So mm-hmm. there's probably a lot more of this plan that has been discussed that isn't given to us the audience because we're going to see it kind of in action maybe through flashback conversations in the middle of the action that's usually how a lot of mangaka tend to show the rest of those conversations you know what i mean so in a series like jujutsu kaisen i'm so excited to see that executed that way because jujutsu kaisen is spot on when it comes to strategy and tactics mid combat so like definitely don't give me everything in the war room discussion i want to hear some things because it gives it makes me hype about what's to come it, our, our protagonists are getting ready talking about what they're going to do and there's no you know there's confidence there you know what i mean then when they finally encounter the obstacles that they are eventually going to whole lot of variables and a whole lot of extra shit that they hadn't planned for is going to come up they're going to have to do a, a bunch of impromptu shit on the fly but if there is any more of this plan you know what i mean that we're going to see then we'll see it in those moments and that's going to be super exciting i'm really excited for the culling game because there's going to be like ambushes there's going to be baits there's yeah. gonna be all kinds of stuff all going types on. of shit bro um like uh infiltration red herrings right like the, the the honey pot traps like all that stuff is probably going to be up for grabs right um thing i thought was really interesting they're all talking about like hikari and panda will take uh tokyo number two Fushigo and Itadori will take number one. This is important to me because uh, Kuguru, the lawyer, yeah. is in area one. Hey. When he first came out, I immediately thought he's a guy who didn't want to look away yeah. when he saw bad things. Right. A lot like Yuji. A lot like Yuji. Right, in right. that kind of initial, like, I just want to help people. And, like, Yuji's like, hey, man, I'm just a cog in the machine. I have a job to do. I'm going yeah. to do it. I'm not, you know, good, bad is whatever. He, like, like my, his interactions with Mahito really took, dealt, like, a huge blow to, like, his personal view of his own moral standing. He's like, yes. what's the difference between a curse and a human? What is what justifies me killing them? Right. Other than the fact that in this particular moment, they're trying to kill me. Yes. But isn't that because I came to kill them? Right. Right. You know. Um. And he, you know, he his moral judgment has been like feels diminished. Like he he's like not like that. He's a bad person, but he's like no longer concerned about specific things yeah he's like full like utilitarian you know what i mean whereas what i need to do yeah in order to save the collective you know the overarching populace you know what i mean like people are going to die in front of me i can't save everyone the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few yuji has like almost entirely embraced that it's a huge shifting you know um 
point or segment in the growth and development of his character on the page you know what i mean because in the beginning yeah. he was very much so like i can't kill a person killing people that's we got to do that here you know what i mean like holy right. shit i don't know about yeah. all that brother you know what i mean and then then the mahito and junpei stuff happens transmogrified humans rush him he's got to end him otherwise he's going to go kill you know mm -hmm. uh nanami and the other sorcerers around so he has to make these kind of split second decisions that have a lot of like moral weight tied emotional behind them impact. and an emotional impact you know like it inside of them and now we see you know coming out of the shibuya incident that he's like okay people are gonna die oh, i get did. it yeah like this calling game stuff is literally reliant on the killing of people is he having mm -hmm. panic attacks just off the concept no he's like holy shit that sucks he's but like, like i, I killed people on my side well it's like i killed a bunch of people you know you know through through sakuna that he's he's took his blame for that he dealt with that mm -hmm. he grew from that you know what i mean that his time as a sorcerer yuji represents kind of you know us the reader in regards to the world building of sorcerers in action in this series yuji is the one that asked the questions that we would ask you know what i mean like we've just been thrust into this world holy shit you guys are ruthless how do you go about your days you know what i mean like knowing that like you're killing people and how can you expect me to do that i'm 15 boom 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 holy shit you all were 15 when y'all were started killing people okay boom boom you know and it and it just goes yeah. down the line of okay yuji is learning how this world works the same time that we are so he's a perfect vehicle in that regard but then his growth and development past that point has really come into you know the understanding that we have of sorcerers and how they behave here so as far as his growth in that regard yuji is shitting on a lot of characters mm -hmm. um but yeah uh chapter 158 they say that um kuguru is in there and i yeah. think he's gonna be a good foil for yuji Ooh. like because he has such a strong level of conviction and sense of justice yes and like and he still is he's literally has weaponized idealism yeah so i think that like current emotional state yuji is the foil for that guy who still has held on to his idealism and passion and like is willing to do all that stuff absolutely um, like like it's just like you can even see in their faces on pages 18 and 19 panda and hikari the way they're framed the way they're positioned they look triumphant panda's yeah. jacked yeah he's, he's like i'm so ready for this like, i'm so ready to lay down these bare hands yeah. on people and he's like i hope that motherfucker gaku ganji's in the colony i'm going to because i need to talk with dude i got a bone to pick i need to crash his party yeah um, and then like hikari he has a very like triumphant like you know, framing sky in the background. Yes. And then, like, Megumi and Yuji, they look dour, severe. They they look... Hey, Megumi looks like he's ready for action, too. I don't yeah, think I've ever seen a panel of him cracking his knuckles, you know what I'm saying? Like, like They look so serious, right? Yeah, like, dead like, serious. Yeah, dead serious, right? Like, yeah. they've they've really committed to these courses of actions, and they, they're hardened by it. Like, yeah. Like... And, and, like, and I gotta ask, hair, I, oh yeah, I'm sorry, one more fluffy. time. Um, Yuji's hair doesn't look fluffy anymore. Oh yeah, um, yeah. actually jagged in like this yeah. depiction. I think it's just how close we are to him in perspective, and it's just giving him a little bit more detail than usual. But like, if this is like one of the first times that we've seen him that close, and there is, you know, a difference in the hair detail, then this would be the time to notice it for sure. 
but I just assumed like we're just closer to him now than we usually are. So mm-hmm. throw the detail in there. But I have to ask, like Hakari, this jacket. Where did he get it? You know what I mean? Because it has like a very similar aesthetic to the other boys' clothes, which we know are like jujutsu high clothes. So like, is this his old jacket that he just held down after getting suspended that he's now throwing on because he's about to get busy on behalf of, you know, jujutsu sorcerers? What'd you say? Yeah, the buttons. You know what I'm saying? I noticed the button on it. Yeah. And they did mention in the first few chapters uh, when they first got started, they're like, hey, Tell us what your basic, like, personal improvements are. Um, each student has a custom clothing that more or less follows the same pattern. Right. Um, so I think that was Hikari's custom jacket from yeah, high school. Yeah, right, yeah. I think wow. it's his old shit from when he was still a student because he wasn't wearing this before. You it's know what I mean? And now, back then. Yeah, right, yeah. This, this jacket is pretty saucy. You know what I'm saying? But, like, yeah. I think that's so cool if that's his old-school jacket. You know what I mean? I like so too, because it's like, ah, uh, you are secretly sentimental. Yeah, it's like, you've been missing this shit, bro. Like, you you, you could have thrown this shit away if it was really fuck Jujutsu high, bro. You know? But, like, here you are right now. As soon as you got a reason to help, ha! You know what I mean? Throw the bitch back on. I love that, dude. But... All in all, incredible setup chapter. I love how it was very um, Kenjaku-centric in the beginning, showing this scene that we always knew was a thing inside of the Culling Games. What happens when people are stuck inside the colony that don't want to be there? We always knew that they had their chance to leave, but Kenjaku being the one there shown to be the one who escorts you out if you don't want to be there. I don't know if he shows up to everybody. You know what I, I mean? That's crazy. Um, How much time does that take? Is this like a is is this him going there personally for real, or is this some kind of how does he hit everybody? It's like the Santa Claus, you know, situation. Um, you know what I mean? Like, how do you get to everybody that doesn't want to be there, and how do you know everyone that doesn't want to be there? You know what I mean? I mean, he does say like the space between dream and reality is a curse. So oh like, yeah, that's right. So maybe he's not he's even like, really there. No, he's using a cur- no. He, I think he is there. Okay. He's like Freddy Krueger, right? Like sure. He's Freddy Kruegering his way through this dream, and while the barrier is happening, in its initial like formation, it has that like slowed down dream time where a lot of things can happen in a very short amount of time. Mm. And he's basically tapping into like their dreaming selves or sure. something like that to like sure. lead them out. Because they all have that dream. And I believe that him personally explaining what's going to happen, what the rules are, that you can leave but once. Yeah. Do you wish to leave? And then leading them out himself is because he is the sole caster of this curse. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's great. And I, I think that I think that's why he's doing the things he's doing. I just love that it's Ghetto or Kenjaku here actually being the one to escort you out because it shows that I don't think we've had too many encounters or too many in real time, you know, moments where Kenjaku is interacting with non-sorcerers. And we know Ghetto's stance on non-sorcerers. We can assume Kenjaku holds very similar sentiments to humanity than the original Ghetto or as the original Ghetto. So like seeing him be this cool, you know, and, and, and you know, with a non-sorcerer around, you know what I mean? It shows that there's a method to the madness. He's not just evil for the sake of being evil. He's down to get the people who don't want to be here out of, you know, the curtain for whatever reason that may be. It, it might be because it helps him out in some kind of way, Even kind of going back to what you were saying. Voice. Yeah, going back to what you were saying earlier, you know what I mean, in the uh, in the review about how 
people outside of the barrier strengthen could potentially strengthen what's going on inside of the barrier because the barrier only wants people who want to be there inside of it so the more people that leave that don't want to be there probably strengthens the barrier at least that would be something that i would assume is going on in kenjaku's thought process as to why he's going out of his way to escort everyone out because he can still be evil and be cool to people in the moment if there's a reason why you're doing that that helps your cause because it does a lot for yeah. your charisma it does a lot for how strategic and and mathematical and systematic this antagonist planning is it does a lot for things if we get confirmation on this information so i'm really happy about the beginning of this chapter for that. what'd you say he he is like devoted to his plan yes like he doesn't do oh beyond devoted egotistical like cruelty for its own sake he got his like, cheeks clapped for this, <laughs> he, he for this. yeah like what <laughs> oh man <laughs> but like this He's is a great beyond devoted. moment for him even if it is just pure practicality towards mm -hmm. his plan i do yeah, like that sure. moment where he's just like hey thanks for being nice to my son yeah even though that was kind of, um, I don't know, I don't know if tongue-in-cheek is the right turn of phrase, but it seemed very um, snarky to me, you know what I mean, that he kind oh, of said that. side-eye? That yeah, yeah, a little side-eye, a little, a little, like, thanks for getting along with my son. Like, I'm just going to say that to you to fuck your mind up. I'm not going to tell you who the son is. You wouldn't know just automatically from me saying it, so you're going to sit and dwell on that for a little bit. It's just like, all right, Kenjaku, uh, son of a bitch. You know, <laughs> I wonder... If she, he, if he did that to like, as like a genuine thanks, yeah, or and B to get the occult group curious because, like, why did Kenjaku, uh, like, you know, they found the finger of Sakuna in the school that Yuji grew up? Oh, in. yeah, that's right. And Kenjaku like, potentially placed that there. Mm -hmm. He you know, for them to find. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, you know what? Thanks for being nice. Also, I'm saying it's that maybe you're curious and you come into the barrier. Hey yo, hey yo. Like, I know who you kids are. Yes. I was, I've been oh man. Yuji forever. That's a pretty crazy thought. I'm not gonna lie. Wow. Dude, I think it's like a little cruel little bait because he does look so smug. He looks so like. Thanks for thanks for thanks for being nice to my son. Don't you want to find out what that is? Don't you want to? Don't you? Are you curious? Yeah, yeah. Because it does take her a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how much time passes in between him saying that to her and when she like kind of like has that realization on on page you know twelve and thirteen where she's like Itadori. You know what I mean? Like so she definitely puts it together, but. She that would be insane if she goes back in the barrier just off I that. I mean, I that would be hilarious and yeah. also emotionally devastating for right. Yuji. Right. Like she could become almost like a perfect hostage. Yeah, 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 yeah. In that kind of situation. Wow. Uh, like, like, uh, like, you know. Wait a minute! Oh my God! No, you're totally right. She probably does go back in the barrier either with or without Iguchi, and then Kenjaku's like, "Yo, Yuji." <laughs> maybe i don't know i don't know but that's a that's a crazy thought though dude holy moly yeah no i i could see it just like happening eventually or she develops her own cursed abilities or like they are flawed yeah like maybe uh like it's like a cursed parasite so it's growing out of her right so Ooh. she has power but it's killing her 
um, that kind of thing. I think there's a little bit more to the conditions of who participates in the Cullen games. We know that he had two specific kind of people, people who ingested a cursed object like Yuji and people who he like endowed with, you know, yeah. or who re he rewired their brain or whatever in a way similar to Mahito and Junpei. So, I mean, like if Sasaki is being escorted out of the curtain by Geto, we can assume that she is not one of those two individuals that he cultivated mm -hmm. for the game. But I don't know. You never know. You never know. It's a big question. Yeah, it's a gigantic question. Let us know what you think about the question down in the comments section. Otherwise, I don't know if you had anything else that you wanted to say about this chapter of Jujutsu Kaisen. But for a setup chapter, I think we talked about it for quite a bit of time. <laughs> it was creepy. It was yeah. compelling. It yeah. had like a slow burn yeah. that was just like horrifying the entire Absolutely. way through. Absolutely. There um, was an ominous back atmosphere in the background for the whole chapter even when it was in its most lighthearted moments you couldn't help but just think like what happened before in earlier in this chapter is going on right now like there are giant naked mole rat curses attacking just random parts in the city you know what i mean like that is just the like such a crazy ones. thought to have in the back of your mind while people are chilling outside of the barrier having regular conversations a little bit of comedy sprinkled in here but at the end of the day it's like there's an ominous vibe washing mm -hmm. across the entire chapter so i think i think uh i think gege killed the game on that uh for a setup and, and this is these are things that we can you know come to expect from jujitsu guys and even in a setup chapter like this there's going to be a lot of world building happening or some kind of like deep philosophical theme that they're discussing or something that's going to warrant a massive conversation in pretty much every jujitsu kaisen chapter we I'm can count on that disappointed by Gege. um <laughs> really uh... I'm rarely, I'm rarely disappointed by that. Oh, oh like, rarely. Uh, okay, I thought you said really. I was like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. Now there's no, a new, no, no, new no, point. No. Of I'm rare. I am rarely disappointed. Same, in same. Even, um, even when they have half a chapter to wrap confident. up. Yeah, even when they have like half a chapter to wrap up a massive plot point for a major character like Maki, and that week before they went into surgery, even mm -hmm. that chapter felt amazing. That, and it wasn't Great. even finished. Yeah, and it, it went crazy. And it went off so yeah. hard. Yeah. I think that there's going to be a lot of civilians that were escorted out that will go back in merely to get like their possessions, right? Like he didn't sure. really give them anything. He just led them out. And he's like, yeah, your house is in like your car and your yeah. phone and yeah. your wallet's all there. They're like, maybe I could go get it. And then they're like, nope, ah, I made a mistake. Uh, yeah, whoops, whoops, whoops. Maybe they can't even go back in once they walk out. Maybe that's the only once you know, condition is that like, now that you have decided to leave the barrier, people who have left can just not re-enter. That might be a thing too. You know what I mean? You never know, you never know. But I think that'll do it for this chapter of Jujutsu Kaisen. All right, getting into Dr. Stone, chapter 212, final part, Stone to Space. Now we have confirmation, not only just from this title, but also through like news outlets that we are entering the final arc of Dr. Stone. That's a really big deal. Um, and the events of the story leading up to this current one has been epic since we've been on break. A couple of major plot points that we should touch on from previous weeks is that the batteries weren't failures. Um, the Medusas were just too old that they were, that they were operating on. And I don't know if we ever brought up this possibility before 
But like, this is something that would, at least when I was reading it, I was like, holy shit, why did I not think about that? You know what I mean? Because they did such a good job of making it seem like creating batteries for the Medusa was such a crazy task with such a tiny margin of error, which it is, and that is true. But I was like, man, if Kaseki can't do it, I mean, we got Joel, but I don't know if Joel even did it. You know, like I was worried yeah. for Joel too. Like I was like, this is a really crazy point of stakes and tension in the story is figuring out how to craft this specific part for the Medusa. You know what I mean? And the way that they kind of presented it as failures of the battery at the time was like a really big thing for like the character of Kaseki, I want to say, that we didn't really touch on too much. And I didn't even really think about it until this chapter or until the, the chapter before, or maybe even the chapter before that, when they're like, no, Kaseki, you did it. Joel, you were saying Joel's got the juice and Joel made the perfect, you know, battery or whatever, but his failed, yours was good. The Medusas were just old as fuck. You know what I mean? Like that was such a wholesome moment in in the story and such a cool little mini twist yeah like what'd you say i like how they salvaged his pride a bit yeah because like it, his character made sense that an old guy an old craftsman would get envious of a young man from the old world with the yes. old skills and like all the knowledge that he didn't have access to this guy right. was just a dude he, he right. worked for gold and silver and, like, soft metals like bronze for the yeah. longest time. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. Anything like that. And it's just wild. But, like, the art in this chapter, yeah. really solid. Oh, yeah, real quick, we also have to, like, comment about how a couple chapters ago, Senku and company revealed that the moon mission is going to be a one-way trip. Like, it was always, like, they, they commented about how it was going to be a suicide mission because of just, like, the stakes and the peril involved. But like it's legitimately one-way trip we don't have the time to make a return vessel everyone who goes there is going to petrify themselves along with y man to stop him from his nefarious doings and dealings up on the moon so like that was also massive in the in the previous chapters since we've been on break so i just wanted to make sure that we commented on those things i'm sure they'll influence the future of our conversation but i had to make sure that i touched on that but yes continue with what you were saying i appreciate that a lot yeah yeah, yeah. um no, uh, this chapter is really interesting. Like, you, like, I liked the build-up to it. Like, the art is amazing, the first few pages. But, like, even the title coming in at the last page. Yeah. The final part, A Stone to Space. And I was just like, that goes hard. I love that they had, like, the whole chapter yeah. kind of flow into that and build up to the actual title of the chapter right it's always epic when when manga does that you know what i mean like i feel like you see it a lot more in shonen manga because things have a way more like formulaic like cinematic approach to giving you information and scenes you know what i mean so i feel like you see you know last page chapter titles a lot more often in shonen or especially just weekly shonen jump maybe even in general but dr dr stone feels so planned and perfect like all the time all the time from like the progression of invention since the beginning of the series always kind of fitting in perfectly with the emotional and practical you know movement of an arc all the way to the location of the blast the blast off for the rocket the location of that you know being told to us as being the same place that byakuya and his team landed after dodging the first petrification beam it just all feels like it just falls into place like a puzzle 
And like mm -hmm. whenever I notice like long-term planning and puzzle piece laying like that in a shonen manga, that's always weekly pretty much, you know what I mean? And with this level of art and like this solid of dialogue and storytelling, it's like this is one that's going to be celebrated for a long time after its completion. And I'm both excited and sad that we're entering the legitimate final arc of such an incredible series. Oh yeah, uh, Boichi, he really did him did like outdid himself with this series. I feel like, um, and Riichiro Inagaki. Yeah, uh, I feel like they both did like amazing with this story. It's really um, succinct, right? Like it's very tight. Yeah. It's a yeah. very controlled series. Um, like one of the gripes that I have with certain series is like, um, and a lot of like TV shows, is that they just keep going. Like you hit the climax point, <laughs> then they just keep going. They just I'm don't like, know how to end it. Like seven deadly <laughs> sins or something. <laughs> new What's the new climax? What's this? What's this? Like just yeah. succeed. You know. Slay the monster, be the hero, call it good. Maybe yeah. an epilogue, but call it good. And I right. feel like Richiro and Boichi are both good at the kind of like actually wrapping up a series. I think that they'll do it really well. Absolutely. Richiro Inigaki's um, already got multiple completed manga. I want to mm -hmm. say at least Eye Shield 21. Boichi has definitely multiple completed manga. Uh, origin, Sun Can Rock. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, I have no doubt in my mind that the end of this series is going to be nothing short of spectacular. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, but, like, let's talk about some of the art. Yes. Slaps. Um, and I love, like, this giant Nova Burst first page. They're like, it's been eight years since the last Medusa blast. And I was like, wow, it's really been that long. And yeah. uh, I love like the kind of almost like color pencil. Yes. Work of like the fluid water, like the revival fluid, the oceans rushing behind as they're on the Perseus. Yes. And the kind of looming statues of the people they left behind as they're reviving everybody. And then like page two, three, there's this like kind of like cutscene thing that if they don't do it in the anime for this, that's a total loss. Oh yeah. To this moment. Oh it's yeah. Beautiful. They're just cooking some food. Like they're walking around. They're like, Hey, there's people further on the beach. There's Mount Fuji in the background. We're happy to see you come, come on in. Yeah inviting it's got camaraderie they're like hey thanks for coming along on this journey this yeah. is the final arc um yeah well i don't remember um i don't remember when kohaku got this new outfit it's kind of like a burgundy gradient to khaki almost colored yeah. dress you know what i mean like i don't, I, I i only remember her ever wearing like a blue dress i'm sure she's changed it at some point but like it always retains the same kind of style of dress so it's hard to really notice any kind of change especially in the manga medium where everything is black and white so getting um you know getting this color page 
to just remind me, I guess, that Kohaku has changed clothes was pretty cool. Um, or maybe it's just different colors in a color spread for whatever reason, and she actually hasn't changed clothes. I feel like we've seen, you know, different color stories, you know, for different characters' aesthetics that are just seem kind of random from volume cover to double spread to color spread, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? So maybe it's something like that, but I personally cannot remember when she changed clothes. So this was cool to see, is all I'm saying. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah. Really warm, inviting. Uh, page four, five. I don't remember that guy with the scar on his head being that jacked. Me neither, dude. I said that when I was reading it. I was like, when did this Soyuz motherfucker get so built? When did he get thick neck, mu neck, like, neck yeah. muscles? Bigger than my entire body. Yeah, he got the fucking Casey Frey joints going. You know what I'm saying? He got the. Uh, I don't even know how to. I don't even know what muscle that is. Are they traps? Something like I don't, that. I don't even know if there's a name for that one. Uh, there's gotta be neck gotta muscles, be. neck meat. Hold on, neck muscles. Med students that follow us, <laughs> drop a comment down below. Yeah, yeah, it's the trap. It's the traps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. look at his traps, bro. They're insane. Like maybe Bulging he was, like, aggressive ass traps, bro. Clenching his entire neck and back as the Medusa frozen and he's just been flexing this entire time. This is like I don't know, man. 1993 Western comic book swole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like image revolution bad. era swoleness. His abs have abs over there. Yeah, for real, for real. Um, and then, like, they, they release some, like, uh, the older generation. <laughs> I like their phrase, like, old-timers, we are what we are. What's it to you? <laughs> just, yeah. Just like, hey, we're just chill. Right. Um, I love the progression of the chapter going through everyone they're reviving, you know, in Ishigami Village or wherever they are. I'm pretty sure this is Ishigami Village. Corn City, I don't remember all the locations off the top of my head. But going back to Ruri... You know what I mean? And and uh, and everybody, this reunion scene was amazing between Kohaku and Ruri. I love how, like, even though everything is kind of, like, jam-packed, almost sardine, you know, levels of packed mm -hmm. inside of the character interactions in Dr. Stone among such a large cast, I feel like we know them all so well from the really mundane happenings of the earlier arcs. As action-packed as those earlier arcs were, a lot of it was, was centered around the mundanity of you know, um, meticulous scientific method application. You know what I mean? So it felt a lot slower, obviously, in the beginning than it does now. But now that we have such a good understanding of these characters, these little character interactions between all of these numerous members of this cast are always really quick. And then you move on to the next thing. But Riichiro Inigaki and Boichi are so well at writing, are so good at writing these characters that you can have little two three panel max interactions between characters and they just say the right thing the perfect thing they give you just em enough of their character in those moments to where even though it's quick it feels complete it feels whole it's like that's all i needed from rory and kohaku that's all i needed from that's all i needed from chrome and rory that's all i needed from kaseki and you know uh uh again uh, uh yeah kaseki and gen that's all i needed like all of these character actions these little tiny character actions that we get throughout this chapter are very succinct very compact and very effective is my point and that is just the mastery of a writer and artist combo you mm. know where both of them have completed works under their belt you know what i mean they work really hard to trim the fat and it shows yeah like uh, I love, like, the thing is, 
like the Rory and Chrome uh, and all the big reunions took about as much time as the introduction of reintroduction of Chalk and Cigara. <laughs> Dude, Chalk and Cigara, oh my Dude, god. So the art was beautiful. Chalk is just vibrating with joy. <laughs> uh, just like, oh, you're back. Tears in um, my eyes, bro. I legitimately but, got goosebumps oh, and was like, oh my god. So yeah, so cute. And they were barely part of the story. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, but I feel like they're my people they're in my such a short amount of time. Guys guys yeah the little guys uh, absolutely this full page drawing of suika after chalk and, Z and cigar leave holy moly what an incredible drawing of grown up oh, suika it is so sad and then they're like and we're back you got food <laughs> yeah <laughs> yo the sushi panel sushi acquired with with francois Ha! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's so fucking good. Like there's so much texture there, and I'm just like, wow. Yeah, yeah. And like, like everyone's reaction on the top of 19 is also my reaction. I'm like, man. <laughs> I could go for some sushi right now. Love oh, it. Man. Love everything about it. The damn scene is awesome. Um, and 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 and, and actually, just going back to Chalk and Zagara mimicking the dam's composition on their own maybe not even knowing that they're really protecting them from much but just seeing that there was a dam that was built for a specific purpose their little animal brains going we love these people this is something they did let's do the same thing for them maybe it'll help in some kind of way they don't really know how they're helping maybe but like that's adorable that's fucking awesome that's wholesome i love you dr stone like holy shit it was a real heart melter episode. It was really good. Yeah. Oh man. And like It's just a lot, man. It, it is it, a lot, right? Like it's like holy shit, like so much happens, so much time passes like in such a quick amount of time in Doctor Stone, but yeah, like it small. It never feels like it's going too fast to me. You know what I mean? Like this is like some pretty sped up pacing. For Dr. Stone, I even want to say. For a series like Dr. Stone. But still, like, it's like... Fight and everything. It's just like, man. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Like with the rocket launch site and everything. It's just yeah. like, man, okay, that's done? Cool. Oh, man, like... No, I still I, don't think they've launched. I really, I really still don't think they've launched. I don't think they launch legitimately until chrome and suika have like finished what they're trying to do and i don't think that them finishing what they're trying to do gets brushed over just so that they can launch so i still think that there's more time to be done i think that this is just symbolism they always show like future stuff and just like different versions of things they're making you know like the modern version of what they're making and then the stone world version so i think this is just a little bit more imagery or or, or symbolism in that regard I, I still think that there is a little bit more that has to be done before takeoff. But I love the way that they montage the lessons of mathematics, you know, with Psy and um, Chrome. That's this chapter, right? Or maybe it's not. Maybe that was that. Maybe that was last chapter. Oh, that was last chapter. When yeah. They okay. Did the they did. They did. They did. That was last chapter. But still, I think there's a little bit more time before liftoff. You know what I mean? So yeah, I feel like even if they say the rocket launch site is ready, that might simply just be like, hey, we've got it secured. It's clear. Yeah. We're doing the finishing touches you still got to get that engine done you still got to get this computer done 
and you know we still need this return vessel kind of figured out before the actual launch will take place so my favorite part is actually like like as much as i love the sushi and like the really emotional writing and like the like the pure wholesome animal interactions because animals are smart enough to do that right uh, and like showing the idea of like they're part of a new generation and stuff and i am like all that stuff this part for me was 23 senku and with the earth hurtling toward like almost like a rock hurtling through space a stone yeah. space and hey towards the moon from this perspective yeah with senku and the earth hurtling towards the moon um, yeah it's almost got that like star wars hyperspace effect mm -hmm. on the stars to just like really drive home that motion that they're trying to capture in that last panel nailed it oh man i'm really excited for that and there's this one point, moment in rio say says there are foe the unearthly y man all by his lonesome what page uh 22 it's like we're ready to face the final frontier, and I like that kind of a uh, reference to Star Trek. To Star Trek, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. And then part of me wonders, like, is Y Man actually alone? Big question, massive question, and that's what I was going to get into actually um, towards the end of the the recap. Here is like now that we know we're in the final part of Doctor Stone. How much longer do you think the story goes for a final arc of Dr. Stone? Because I'm trying to think of like how long arcs generally are inside of Dr. Stone. And the most recent arc that we have in memory is the Xeno, you know, versus Science Kingdom. You know, both of their Science yeah. Kingdoms versus each other. That went on for what? Like 25 chapters? Yeah, you know what I mean? Chapters. Something like that. You know, it was something around there, I want to say. You know what I mean? So... Final chapter of Dr. Stone, we could be looking at, like, I don't know, I want to say that the longest this final arc would probably be would be, like, an entire year's worth of content. So, like, 52 chapters, 50 to, to 60 chapters, maybe max. You know what I mean? But yeah. on, the, on the shorter side of things, it's like we could be looking at, like, 20, 20 to 25 more chapters of Dr. Stone, bro. Mm -hmm. That's insane to think about. That would have been cool. Like, that's cool. I, it's it's always bittersweet to see a series, and especially one that's so well executed. Um, right. I, part of me was hoping that the series would end at uh, 314 chapters to be like Pi. Oh, shit. It just doesn't allow for that. And I'm like, I understand. Wait, what doesn't allow for that? I'm sorry. Uh, the, the way they've been pacing things, like the rate they Oh, sure. Progression and trajectory. I'm like, I get it. You're wrapping up. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm not question, you know, masters at work. If, if, if Reach Your Own Boichi really did want to, like, dunk on the series and just go 100 chapter last arc. You know what I mean? That would be insane. But I feel like that would cover pretty much everything that we've been talking about because they have to finish building the rocket, then they have to go to the moon and confront Y-Man, then they have to beat Y-Man, come back from the moon, and then, you know, successfully rebuild the rest of civilization. So 100 chapters for that doesn't sound crazy. Sound crazy. It oh doesn't really sound too crazy because there's a lot. I mean, like if they just beat Y Man on the moon and then that's the last chapter on the moon, they become statues and then there's some drastic quote or something at the end and then the rest is just kind of like left up to interpretation. 
I feel like that. No, <laughs> that is not. That's not it thorough would, enough for Doctor Stone. A part of me wondered actually if um, they were gonna have this moment where they're like suicide mission. No, we can't have that. And they tell, and they have like this montage of pe of people telling is like generations of like the, these were the people that went to the moon to save all of us and we it's we sh as like and you know what they're still alive right we know that they're still alive and so they spend you know a hundred years a thousand years to like make another rocket figure it all out and yeah do it again and like or like somehow like progress society that they can't do return trips yeah i would love for that to happen if like the ending of the series is them getting rescued by the descendants of their descendants of their descendants Yo. and being like you it's like we're here for you you're our heroes and they're like did you get everybody yeah everybody in this place yeah fuck that one get rid of that one <laughs> <laughs> i could totally see it being a situation where it's like okay chrome successfully creates the return vessel so they're like all right we're going we're doing this and then we're coming back and then everyone goes because of that or everyone relevant enough goes on the trip instead of just the three that they're talking about you know what i mean so like hey you did it chrome tear in my eye you're real science dude now you and Suica killed the game. We got the return vessel. Let's go kick this dude's ass together as a family. They go up there and still all get petrified simultaneously. The same way that Senku thought, but they're just all together. And then like a drastic, you know, um, time passing happens. And then yes, the descendants of their descendants of their descendants come to rescue them. And then it's everyone together, unpetrified at the same time, able to live the rest of their lives together. I think that would slap ridiculously hard personally it would be so good um i at one point i wanted um the robot from the biakia uh spinoff to show up because oh like, i didn't read that yet no i completely forgot about that is it done the spinoff is it was it was really easy to digest because that was all boichi wasn't it, it there was no reichiro inagaki it was just boichi right well it's technically not canon but i would love it because the like I won't spoil it for you. you right, 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 right. I definitely will. No, 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 for sure. I completely forgot about There's that. Robot still in space, and it's just like, what if he just yeah. in the moon at the right time and was like, "Hey guys, yeah, what's up?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Wow, though. Um, super excited for the continuation and for the final arc of Doctor Stone. I don't know if you had anything else that you wanted to say about this chapter specifically. I kind of hope that I'm right for 315 chat. 14 Dude, chapters. that is like the coolest idea ever. It would be so cool. Honestly, it's the coolest idea. Like, uh, like I really think that that would be sick if, and you know, Rishiro and Boichi could do whatever they want. We're 212 yeah. chapters in. They're saying it's the final part. We have no reason to think that this will be any amount of chapters long. I definitely threw my estimates out. We could be looking at a year. We could be looking at six months, whatever. But, like, whatever they decide to do, we're just going to be here along for the ride. Like, a week goes by, three weeks, ten weeks, 25, 50 weeks go by. And then we'll be able to gauge at that time how much more of the story we think there is left. And if they did want to bring it to 314 just to hit pi, I wouldn't fucking hold it against them. And I'm sure that they could fill out the rest of that time because... Dr. Stone is so planned and perfect. 
if if it mm -hmm. if it really is going to be a hundred more chapters of Doctor Stone, that content is going to be filled to the brim. It's not going to feel like filler. It's not going to feel like it's dragging. It's not going to feel like it's going on longer than it should. It's going to be the story they always intended on telling, and I'm fucking here for a hundred more chapters of Doctor Stone if that's the case. Absolutely. Uh, even if it's like they survive and they're like not sure if this is going to work but they're like what if we take ships being petrified so that we can explore this space without overtaxing like the oxygen system That's you're talking about like once they leave I, I genuinely believe that once they go to the moon they're going to deal with y-man and then they're going to bounce back i don't think there's going to be any kind of explore ex uh, intergalactic exploration or or just any kind of space exploration past the moon mm -hmm. whatsoever um, I don't think that they are building a rocket that's capable of that. I think that, like, just based off what we're talking about right now, they're just hoping that the rocket gets them there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even if they have a return vessel, it's like the A and B, B to A. You know what I mean? I don't think they're going to be like, all right, well, since we're here and we beat Y-Man, low diff, we might as well go check out what's going on on Mars. I don't think it's going to be anything oh, like no, that. I meant, like, checking out, like, the moon base itself. Oh, just the moon, period. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, so like, yeah, hey, yeah, for oh, sure. One of us can be unpetrified because all five of us, whatever, or three of us, yeah, we're gonna just burn through oxygen like nobody's business. Right, right, just right. Walk around. Yeah, just walking and like, around. They might be like, "Hey, man, just petrify us. We trust you. Be careful." Yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Right. Um, I'm really genuinely hoping for them to get petrified there, and then their far descendants manage to rescue them. Yeah, that would be. That'd be poetic. epic. That'd be epic. It'd be poetic because, like, Byakuya left exactly, like, emotionally left the fate of the world to his son, the next generation. He was just like, "Hey, man, you've got this." Right. You know, science That'd be insane, dude. If they create those parallels with Senku and Byakuya after the first petrification and the new petrification, hold on, man. Uh oh, that's insane. Um, I, I want. Last question that you brought up, is there just Y-Man or is it Y-Man and company? That's a big question. I don't know if we've ever asked that before on the show. I'm sure the community has asked it before, but I think it makes all the sense in the world that Y-Man is not acting alone. If you really are up here on this rock by yourself, the representation of Y-Man that we've seen in the manga so far as this like really grotesque skeleton with a million teeth, like you could draw the line that this is just some maniacal astronaut on the moon doing everything by himself for whatever crazy reasons that he has. But I think it makes a lot more sense that this is a team of people, especially considering the giant mountain of Medusas that we found on Earth 30 yeah. chapters, 20 chapters ago, 30 chapters ago or whatever. They dumped a gang of these joints on the planet. You know what I mean? Like, I have a hard time believing that one man or one person, you know what I mean, is up there on the planet now that you brought it up. So that's an incredible yeah, line of I mean, thought. Senku wasn't able, like, Senku's whole thing is that there's power in community and, like, that, that together we can do more than that. Yeah. Maybe Y-Man did have a community and then eventually, you know, removed them once they stopped being useful, or he does have, like, maybe there's automated defenses that kind of thing. I don't know. Um, but yeah. I'm kind of see what, what he's working with. Because I feel like he might be like, he might just be a brain in a jar or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we get to the Y-Man flashback, right? Like, that's like what we're really waiting for, I want to say, is the information 
for why man the pathos the motivations everything that we need to understand them as a character i bet it's totally i went up here with a group of people for a specific reason with this technology for a completely different reason than petrifying everybody on the planet my whole crew died i became deranged and insane up here on you know the moon all by myself for however long i don't know how they survive for 3700 years on the moon i don't fucking know but these are these are answers that 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 Reichiro and Boichi are going to give us, and it's going to make sense because the final arc, if if the whole story has felt this good the whole time, then the final arc, considering how planned and perfect the story has felt up until now, the ending has to have been thought about or at least been known to a big enough degree to where it's going to feel right when we finally get it. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're gonna get all kinds of questions answered. I highly doubt that Y-Man is 3,700 years old, probably a descendant of the original Y-Man who concocted this original plot to petrify everyone on earth, who knows? But if it is some kind of supernatural, occult, immortal being that's literally just chilling on the moon by themselves, I think that'd be kind of weird for Dr. Stone. Who knows how Reichiro will explain it, but like this has to be a generational situation, right? Maybe. Um, I've actually been of the mind that Y Man is almost a pre-recorded message. Oh um, boy! And like, has that is that an idea is, in the community? Like, have people talked I mean, about that's that? One, that's my personal theory. Whoa. My personal theory is that not Y Man, because like one point they're like, oh, you're using Japanese Morse code. If we use like english morse code it says die and the y man's been saying die 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 over and over again and i wondered if he was like the final recording of an insane person if they go up there and there's no y man if what if there's nothing there and they go up there and they're like no we're fucked we're fucked and then they petrify themselves and then they're like well Maybe our descendants will get that, and they communicate with their descendants. They're like, "There's oh. no." They communicate with their descendants, and they're like, "There's no one up here. We're gonna petrify ourselves." Um, oh my god! Rebuild civilization, dude. But, wait, because no, because if they go up there, the possibilities are it's a malevolent force, or they go up there and it's nobody and it's a recording and they're like fuck dude and then they petrify themselves and wait for people to come rescue them or it's a situation where like maybe like someone already like tried to deal with this person on there and fucking died like you know trying and like to trying to stop them or i don't fucking know dude you're making me think of so many new things now like what if y man isn't even a bad guy no 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 this they've got to they got to have the right idea of what's up here they gotta that that twist is gonna be too drastic dude how am i gonna feel if they go up there and it's a fucking recording and there's no person what does that mean for the story like a left it I that might get that hundred hundred chapters, man. I don't know. 
I'm just trying to think of all the logical ways that this could happen. And like, I'm almost entirely throwing out the idea that this Y man is 3,700 years old. I think that's obvious though. So it's like, fuck that idea. And like, if this is a generational situation where like multiple Y men, you know, have kind of carried on this philosophy, it's like, how do they exist on the moon for this long? You know what I mean? Like, unless they reveal that there was some kind of crazy secret governmental body existing on the moon unbeknownst to the rest of the fucking world. And like, that's how this one person is able to reproduce with whoever to create the same kind of villain 3,700 years later. It almost seems obvious that it's a recording, but how does that recording last for 3,700 years in that kind of atmosphere? in that kind of environment it's a crazy thing to think about now suddenly yeah turns out new plot twist is jeffrey bezos no! <laughs> <laughs> not jeffrey what the f yeah that's somehow worse than the moon being empty and them being martyred for nothing bro wait <laughs> because didn't jeff bezos just go to the moon <laughs> Hold on, Dr. dude, wait! No! We're getting too deep! We're too deep, bro! No, okay. I'm done. I'm done. Dr. Stone 212, Stone to Space. Is there anything else you wanted to say about this chapter? Done messing with everyone's brains. Alright, we're done then. <laughs> Alright, getting into Mashal. Magic and Muscles, Chapter 79, Mashburn Dead, and the School of Hard Knocks. How do we feel? I got huge, like, we've always had this whole Mashburn Dead universe is basically Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. This really cements that. Like, the, the Triwizard Tournament book for Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, even their whole, like, outlook on it, like... Okay, this is an English school with Easton, humanity and compassion's taught, St. R's, justice is revered, rule breakers are harshly punished, and it's got a very Catholic vibe. Like, kinda, uh, yeah. Divine right of kings, uh, monarchical kind of system. Like, even just like looking at the first page, there's giant giant crosses and like a chapel in the background yeah uh like rather french looking promenades and now they have been making references to mythologies and older religions you know what i mean throughout the series it is i think this is the first time that i remember seeing a cross you know what i mean or anything representing mm -hmm. judeo-christian theism or, or catholicism or anything like that you know what i mean so even though they do talk about gods a lot and this being gift from God or gods, you know what I mean? Like I was totally had my brain wired to be expecting mythological situations and not like more modern religious, ah, you know, situations. Yeah. yeah. I always remember one line an anthropology professor told me it was that every religion is someone's mythology. That's facts. That's totally um, facts. And I like the symbols for both um all the schools like it's very it shows exactly who, what they're about like yeah. um like one is like through faith and diligence uh balance and knowledge um and the other one's like 
wands crossed, swords crossed, uh, an eye that's like crying black or red tears, like an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like Valkus, I, I call it Valkus because like it looks very uh, Germanic in writing. Right. Um, so the W could have, definitely be pronounced with a V, absolutely. And they have like that very sinister, stereotypical witch's tower kind of thing going for them. They're like, right. we're the edgy school. All right. But I like, I mean, it does produce results. Um, if, the, you know, the strong arm group does that stuff over the past hundred years, Easton's produced 11 visionaries. St. Ars has only produced four. Yeah. And Easton has produced 85. 85, bro. What? Yeah. I that mean, was insane information for me. I was like, holy shit. Because that made me wonder. I was like, are they really that strong? Like, I, like, I'm assuming that the Divine Visionary candidacy and just process all kind of has, like, a common denominator of qualification from school to school. Because they all come here for the test, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what this is all about, is all of the representatives who are all Divine Visionary candidates co coming here to compete in some kind of way that grants one or maybe multiple Divine Visionary status. So if it's like that, and they really did get 85 people through this shared ideal method, you know what I mean? Then that's insane. But if they, if each school has their individual process for awarding divine visionary status, then like, I don't know, maybe Walkus just has a completely different method for determining who's a yeah, divine and visionary. Yeah, a different metric, and the ones they're churning out, maybe, yes, they are like, strong, certain metric, yeah. like, have like they can project spells at this amount of velocity and apply right. this much enough magical pressures per uh mundane cubit uh yeah. you know kind of thing right but does that mean that they're actually powerful or um high, like really effective they yeah. might be shallow thinkers yeah and they're like oh i'm gonna brute force my problem every single time like you know, yeah, they hit hard, but can, you can probably work around them or something. Right. Um, maybe not. Yeah, I wonder, because um, it's like, man, it's like 85, you know, divine visionaries. You know what I mean? Like, is that the shared metric or is that the personal metric of Valkus? I think is yeah. the... I've, and I think the story is kind of already told us, you know what I mean? That it is like a shared metric. And if that's the case, that's a really big deal that like them brute forcing their way through these exams gives them the status that they want considering that all of these schools represent completely different philosophies on how to manifest and manipulate magic and what it means to be strong you know what i mean so it's crazy that them having such a brute force you know kind of mentality. outlook yeah and mentality allows them to become divine visionaries in the eyes of everyone it really kind of is more of a comment on like that style of thinking the like of innocent zero and that might makes right and all these other things and that like magic power is everything that is apparently like if that many visionaries were out there and they're the ones passing laws or influencing um like everyday life yeah it makes sense that even in easton a place that s celebrates humility and compassion yeah. for yeah. everyone 
it's still that aggressive to mash. Right, right. Like, if they're that aggressive in Easton, I have no idea what Valkus is like. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I guess we're going to see now. I think it's really cool. These last couple of chapters showing Domina Blow Leave or Blow Live. I don't really know the, pron the pronunciation for that. I said Blow Leave in my head. You know what I mean? But you never know. But yeah, like seeing them like in the, I think it was the last chapter or maybe it was the chapter before showing them talking about Domina Blow Leave and saying, don't worry, they're broken. But like the people who went up against Rain Ames before he was a divine visionary are pulling up so they'll help. And then literally you transition from that page into the defeat of those characters at the hands of Domina Blow Leave. That was massive as a cliffhanger in the last couple of chapters. And then we go into here and, you know, into this chapter and we see, you know, the way that Domina kind, kind of seems to be strong arming this ceremony in all of these ways. It, it was um, the only thing that felt really awkward to me is like, I'm confused as to why Volkus seems to just be able to do whatever they want, regardless yeah, of rules or side. regulations, like even in front of officials, you know what I mean? It's like, they're like, this has to be some kind like even the the dude from saint airs came yeah. in bloody and said these motherfuckers fucked us up forced us. and forced us threat under threat of our families to give you know our position to them and they're just like yeah you know what i mean like all right uh, uh Valkus versus easton you know what i mean easton's got some new people that pulled up to fill the gaps for saint ours we got you know um we got fucking abyss razor abdel and um margaret that pulled up and that's very hype and we'll get to that for the end of the chapter but it's like isn't this regulated aren't there rules that need to be followed like this is all happening with like way less um way less uh what's the word i'm looking for here council you know what i mean like they're like where are the official people saying like this isn't how this is supposed to be going what do you guys think you're doing this is all wrong we know we that saint air we know that saint ours came to us and said we on our own relinquish our spots to Volcus. you know what i mean but like all we have is this one little announcer here talking about like what's going on and then all of these overarching officials up here on these you know pedestals up in the higher levels you know but like who is the regulator of this event is it supposed to be Wahlberg and he's out so they're just allowing this to to continue like where's his regent Where's his, like, adjutant? Like, where's the person that represents, you know, Wahlberg in this final bout of the Divine Visionary selection process? And why are they allowing such obviously underhanded things to happen right in front of everybody? Maybe they address it, you know, at the beginning of the next chapter, but you'd think that they'd be like, hold on, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This ain't right. We got rules. We got ways that this is supposed to go. You can't just... We can't just have new information come in with a bloody St. R's dude saying you guys coerced us and extorted us in these ways and not and have even, anyone speak on it. And like in the first few, cha in the chapters before, they had like their broken pieces of their wand. Like they dropped broken pieces of their wand. They're like, yeah, we did this. What yeah. are you going to do about it? Yeah. No. And yeah. like, is there a precedent that this has been going on forever? And that's why... Valkus has so many visionaries passed is because they literally just curb stomp everybody. Is that why it's happening? I don't know. 
Um, Even if that's the case and they've been getting away with it for who knows how long, the monkey wrench is King Russ of St. R's. You know what I mean? He literally came in here battered and broken and bloody saying these people did this. He said this in front of everyone and no comment from like anyone higher up that matters, just banter and shit talking among the protagonists and antagonist groups. And then the action starts and it's like, brother, like, where is the officials? Like, where are the official people that like, like you think someone would be like, this isn't the way this kind of shit usually goes. Balkus, what's going on with you? Explain yourself or something. You know, so like that was really jarring and like awkward to me because like this is the final bout of this selection process. So you would assume that this is where all of the heads are coming to watch this thing happen from all of the different schools. And and yeah, where is the St. R school going? Like, yeah, we had to have them, you know, kind of like submit a a, a letter of resignation for this beat up too like yeah, like, like i don't think that they showed enough of the school side of things as far as administration goes in regard to this situation it's just chad's and and you know the opposition and the main characters just squaring yeah. up and getting to the action and it's like whatever it's mashal so it's okay. like should we expect the structure you know what I mean? Of like a Jujutsu Kaisen or a Hunter Hunter or, you know, anything. Yeah, you know, like, or anything know that's not leaning into its gag side. Yeah. Should we expect that? I don't know, but it does feel very awkward regardless. You know what I it's mean? It's a bit rushed, it feels like. Um, like, and I know, like, I'm I'm really excited that Margaret and Abyss Razor uh, get some more time in the limelight. They're like, no, we're not just villains of the week. Like, we actually are going to showcase some stuff. Yeah, and now we're allies of the week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pull off some new moves. That'd yeah. be awesome. I love that. Yeah, I, you want to um, know what? I, I did make a joke, but I do love how Abyss Razor, Abdel, and Margaret are back in the story in an ally position. We always knew that it was coming. I mean, maybe less so for Margaret, but definitely for Abdel. Know. Yeah, well, I mean, Abdel, I mean, you know, they were already kind of kicking it in a, you know, in an amicable kind of situation after the Abdel arc ended. He came back mm-hmm. over to Easton, kicked it with them for a little bit, and everything, like, seemed really cool. And I think we even talked about it in our reviews that Abdel will be an ally later. And if that's the case, Abyss Razor would follow suit since they're tied together. But Margaret is the the one where their conclusion was just, I got whooped by MASH. You know what I mean? But their motivations were always ambiguous. You, you, they were very much a Hisoka kind of character where you didn't really know exactly what they were going for. We knew that they liked to be strong. We know they like fighting strong opponents. So, like, that's all the motivation that Margaret even yeah. needs to be here. You know and what I mean? Valkis so that's is fine. all about strong, so it makes right. sense that they're it there. makes perfect sense, absolutely. So, like, this is fine, but, like, the lack of administration in this chapter is baffling to me. You know what I mean? Maybe not baffling, but like, it's just something that I was expected that wasn't there. Like I finished the chapter and I was like, hell yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next. And then I thought about it again and went through it a second time before the review. And I was like, where is anyone besides this announcer that represents the administration for any of these schools? And maybe we get them next chapter. Maybe things just happen too fast. You know what I mean? Nobody said, nobody said begin, start the fight, Hajime. Like, there wasn't anything like that. You know what I mean? So, like, maybe it was just, you know, an escalation of, 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 uh, of the moment and circumstances, and that's why it feels so weird. And maybe we do get, you know, an administrative body that comes in and says this isn't the way that this is supposed to go. But this just seemed way too, you know, unstructured. Yeah. To me. Um, 
It does, especially for a manga. Like, okay, like, you know, I'll make as many jokes as I want because I'm American. Man, unstructured elections? Wild. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, nothing is too strange for fiction now. Right, right. Uh, but, like, that's my one and done for that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, in, the rush, um, yeah. in the rush for uh, the rushing thing, there's a moment where, like, this line is like, when has a younger sibling ever surpassed their elder in this world? And considering you don't have magic, well, sibling, my family's just me and my pops. And his friend's like, you're innocent zero son. Maybe he's talking about that. Oh, yeah, that. And then King Russ breaks in, dramatic entrance, blocks off any conversation of that. Right, right. Diverting the thing. But I do like how, you know, Domina casually, like, it's a very subtle, like, I know that he's trying to, to continue the, the conversation for it and it gets interrupted. But, like, overall, just the execution of this information being dropped on MASH, I think was fire. Because he's literally just like, when has a younger sibling ever surpassed their elder in this world? You know, very cryptic, you know, very um, esoteric line of dialogue that only a few people would really understand. Those people are the ones that comment on it, obviously, and MASH is like, oh, yeah, you're right. And then it's interrupted. That's really cool, because in a story like MASH, where you get like very Mojo Jojo-esque explanations of power and being from these antagonists, you know, very akin to One Punch Man before they're eventually defeated, like a subtle dialogue bubble like this confirming the connection between Domina and Mash is fire. I, I like that subtle application there for that. Mm -hmm. It was a nice quirk of writing. Yeah. Um, I do like, and like, because of what I've seen recently in politics, they're like, oh, there are liars coming here and talking about school pride and apologizing. It makes you look pretty good. They're just faking it. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. But the thing that distracted me most, like, Mash has got a very cartoony style. Yeah, but like the yaoi hands were massive. Wait, what chapter? Uh, or I mean, uh, what page chapter, rather? <laughs> page thirteen. This guy's hands are fucking massive. Oh, I see it now. <laughs> he has like yaoi shoujo manga hands and like hilarious, super lanky legs. And I'm like, ah, this perspective is weird. He's a shark. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. What's up with the shark guy? I don't know, but I um, bet they're all strong. I bet they're all cold. I can't wait to see them all fight. Yeah. Like, especially this shark dude, because he's the one that has the most to say besides Domina. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, I'm assuming that's maybe a that right or left like, hand, um, maybe. The transfer student from the Doom universe. Wait, um, what? Page uh, four. The guy with like the weird mandibles and skull teeth mask, like he looks like the insect version of a Mortan Joe. Like, oh yeah. Oh my god, I completely like, forgot about this dude. Very like, um he's so weird looking. And I'm yeah. like, what are you? It's very uh Q Hayashida. You know what I yeah. mean? Doro Hidoro, you know, are type you a B. Man or bug. I have no idea what's going on with dude. I wonder what his power is. That's right. I don't, oh yeah, we do see his line design. It does look to be like an N shape or at least like a lightning bolt style design that at least going into his mask. And then you have dude with the headphones and the beanie with like earmuffs. Oh, earmuffs. Yep. Earmuffs, earmuffs. and the beanie. And then he's got just straight lines on both eyes. And we've seen that before. So, and man, I cannot wait until if we ever do get raw exposition on what line designs mean in regard to your magic affinity, because I know that very early in our coverage of Mashal, 
one of us had brought up right away that your line design is indicative to some degree of your magical ability yeah. or your power and we and the the first like drastic example that we got of this was i think abyss razor because his line design specifically takes on the physical representation of how his magic looks you know what i mean so like that was like the first drastic example and there are times where yeah absolutely your line design is obvious of what your magic power is but other times it's not a lot of people share the same line design you know what i mean so i feel like that yeah. matters you know to a certain degree in some way but like i'm very curious themes like the classic magic ability and right. then outside there's variations i feel like based off his clothes alone the guy with the straight lines who's a little tan and like has like a mm -hmm. sucker or cigarette or whatever mm -hmm. um he's gonna be like a snow or ice based that uh, makes sense power. that um, makes sense he's got muffins and a beanie so you know what i mean yeah. so I, I like that. That with like the little gas mask, I'm hoping that he does do the Kyuhashita Dora Hodoro thing and opens up the mask and just sh vomits out like poison. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> um, yeah, for I sure. I have no idea what the squiggly lines are. He's constantly got his tongue out. Yes, and I wanted to comment on that because I feel like we see this kind of character a lot. You know what I mean? And I think that maybe just the archetypal representation of this character that we have in this chapter could possibly give us some insight into what kind of magic they use you know what i mean but it's like man it's like the characters i'm thinking of are like stain fucking yeah. um i imagine a lot of yeah would be like uh when my hero academia fought the yakuza and there was that guy that got people drunk and like knocked out their equilibrium yeah 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 like his magic is kind of that because of his lines Ooh, and like, it does look a little squiggly you know what i'm saying a little, a little like sloppy, unbalanced yeah sloppy look of him and like also the line where he's but like nor does ours with its emphasis on law and formality so i feel like he's a very sloppy noodly guy like maybe he like melts things or causes them to be like sticky i don't know yeah i i would i want to say like usually characters that have their tongue out like that in this way usually have gross powers you know mm -hmm. what i mean like some kind of you know un uneasy unseemly. feeling related with their character unseemly yeah you know what i mean and like that makes sense for all of these brand new antagonists that we just got this chapter you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's like if if dude has ice and like other dude looks like a Q Hayashida, you know, IP, then like <laughs> definitely, I mean, like ice is pretty common, but like these oh, other yeah. two, like dudes probably got some diabolical, the dude with the mask probably has some diabolical power, like poison, Bees. I think poison or something fucked up like that. And then other dude with his tongue out just has some gross shit, you know what I yeah. mean? Like something um, related to just gives them nausea and wants to make him throw up yeah something um, like that yeah that'd be cool um, dude i wonder like the ones that are and like the other guy that seems obvious to me is the shark tooth guy because his lines seem like shark teeth, teeth. yeah right he, right right i feel like he's gonna be a little bit like um the guy from god of high school where he has like that giant projection of teeth that like eat um, how far into the story is this i dropped out i dropped out of high school during the third tournament or the second it tournament? Pr it was pretty early. Was I think it's the second early. tournament. Yeah, I, I probably just don't remember then. But um, I definitely, okay. like, stopped reading God of High School during the Mori Hui 
tournament mm, yeah, arc. That's yeah, fair. yeah, I've yeah. just kept up because I'm genuinely curious just a little bit. But I, I love the series. Out. I just fell behind for whatever reason and never caught back up. But um, I'm really curious about uh, Lovely's power. Yeah, his, he's got two lines. Right, but they're on one cheek, and they don't connect. Yeah, and like they have arrows, and they're like you know. That's another thing I wanted to talk about. It's like, okay, so based on us seeing him in combat, the only thing that we can really take is that he's lightning fast and damage just happens from a distance. Yeah. Like, does he basically do, like, the black hole thing where he pinches a point in space and twists it and everything twists around it? Or is he, like, a cyclonic ripper kind of guy where he just torques and creates, like, torsion? on people like i don't know i feel like he's a twister that feels good from his line design but seeing him in combat it's like i didn't see any kind of distortion in the body of those he was attacking was literally just blood shooting out like in the same manner that like sword slashes produce damage you know what i mean so i wanted to assume that his ability was sharp in some way you know what i mean just from the the kind of damage that we've seen him do to others you know what I mean? But like that doesn't really tell us a whole a whole lot about why his line design is the way that it is. And this is a line design that is so elaborate and so detailed that we can assume it is indicative directly of whatever their power is. Because the only time that we see line designs this elaborate are like Abyss Razor, Domina Blowleaf, Margaret Macaron. You know what I mean? All of those yeah. abilities are so obvious you know, to, like, what they're doing, except for Domina. Yeah, Domina's a strange one. And, like, the pretty guy, where he's, like, showing one side of his face on, like, page five, on page four, you can barely see that he also has two lines just straight, like, teeth. Yeah, yeah, they all meet at a point and then slowly kind of, like, well, it's a taper up top, and then it gets yeah. wider as it goes down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what his ability does all. I have no clue. There's no information on <laughs> Literally that. no information. Uh-huh. And we haven't gotten the line breakdown in Mashal yet, yeah. so there's literally no history that we really have to go on, but... Uh, I think that Domina is definitely a child of Innocent Zero because of the language that he's For using sure. I think but that's pretty much confirmed at this point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like he also has those same sort of like dead eyes where they're like white pupils, but they're kind of half shaded. Yeah, and that's been with an, a lot of innocent zero children. Yeah, for sure. To make him a little different than Mesh, because he still has his eyes like the idea of like I don't know, dead eyes. You know what right, I mean? Right, like right, if right. you look at someone and even though they're smiling at you and they're like, nope, they got like those Paula Deen magazine cover eyes looking at you with nothing behind them. Yeah. No more. <laughs> Patrick Bateman. <laughs> Yo, my homeboy is actually um, rewatching American Psycho right now. It's fantastic. It's a good movie. Yeah. I might rewatch it too since we're in the spooky season. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. Wow. This is um quite a chapter. For Mashal, like I said, I have my issues with it. It could just be my it, 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 it does feel a little weird, you know what I mean? But I mean, like, it's Mashal, I can't hold it to the same standard that I hold other stories that take themselves a lot more seriously than Mashal. But I want to say that Mashal leans into his serious side a lot more often or a lot more intensely than most gag manga that I've read or can or manga that can 
be considered gag or comedy. You know what I mean? So since it's taking a relatively one punch man esque approach to its storytelling, I have to assume that in its serious times, like it's being serious for real and that it, there is a method to the madness. You know what I mean? And I just can't for the life of me understand why it's, it feels this way in a chapter that is really trying to be more serious than comedic. Oh yeah. No, but I, I do understand. Like, I think that with like, that's totally valid. We tend to value structure yeah. planning and like a level of seriousness in our series, yeah. um, which doesn't carry over through all series, but at right. the same time, like mash does not try to set out to be that's right. That series. That's right. Judge it within, you know, the arenas that they have obviously chosen to play in. Correct. I agree um, 100%, but I did have yeah. to make a comment on what felt jarring or awkward to me. But other than that, Absolutely. very excited for the future of Mashal. Can't wait to see where this action leads us. It, Domina being the kind of villain or antagonist that's been built up in this way. Now, I remember talking about Margaret. I was like, this is the most kind of buildup that we've gotten for a fight for Mash. It's, it's, it, it, was, it was deeper because it wasn't just introduction of character, example of their strength, in, you know, run in with Mash, defeat by Mash, hand, Mash's hands. And then the arc is over, which has kind of been the formula, you know what I mean, um, up until Margaret's fight with MASH. And I thought, okay, well, Margaret is being shown interacting with characters outside of MASH's protagonist group. Margaret has been shown squaring up with other characters, you know what I mean, unrelated to MASH. You know what I mean? Like, we've seen a completely different way that Margaret was handled leading up to the fight for MASH. So I thought that there was going to be more from it. That fight was very quick. It was very anticlimactic for the buildup, in my opinion, and I had a lot of issues with that situation domina is a new is another situation where it's like okay we've never seen them hype up a villain go this person is crazy but don't worry we've got some pretty crazy talent on our side i think the stakes are pretty much even and then you literally turn the chapter to the villain destroying all of the people that the immortal cane was hyping up as reasons not right. to worry you know what I mean? Like, that was an insane transition of pages. I loved that. Yeah, and I was like, holy fuck, okay, this is going to be boring. different. I was like, this is going to be different. But but then I remember, I thought it was going to be different before with Margaret. So, like, I have no idea how to feel. But Mashal is really good for hype, excitement, and action. So, at least I have something to be excited for there. But I think I'm at a point now where I'm on some, like, wait-and-see shit before I really yeah, start praising Mashal for what they're setting up. You know what I mean? There's something I would like to point out on yeah. page 16. I know I made a joke about the guy, like, the Kyuhai Ishida guy, uh -huh. um, either pouring out bees, like, smoke, or bees. Bees would be fucked but, like, up. But, like, page 16... There's actually bugs flying at Mash. Like they do that joint combo attack, and you get a little preview of their abilities a little bit. There's like maybe what could be icicles or teeth. There's like tendrils of shadow. What looks like a hot liquid, maybe acid from. Dude, I didn't even notice this. The tongue out guy. I just re-noticed it now that I'm like, dude, it over. And you are totally bugs. right. Look at this. It's bugs, bro. On that page sixteen. Always bugs. Those are bugs, bro. He's going full Metal Gear Solid. He's he's got bugs inside him. Bruh. 
Man's a corpse. Okay, so this is definitely a glimpse into the abilities of the antagonist. Didn't notice this before. Great spot, Mellow. Yes, we have a kind of dark, stark black shadow pit center with giant um, praying mantis-style claws coming out of it. And then to the left of that, we have a molten-style energy that looks like it could be flame, could be lava, could be, could acid, be acid, could be, you know, anything. And then definitely bugs. Like, these are fucking bugs, dude. Like, the zoom out, zoom in, like, right at that thing. Like, whew, that's definitely bugs. These are bugs, bro. Locusts. This guy's gonna do some locust abilities. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fire. Great spot. Nice. Holy shit. And then you even see it a little bit more in the panel underneath that when they're just mm. about to touch Mash's face. I saw that and I was like, wait a second. Fire. Are those bugs? I was right. It was bugs. Wait, 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 wait. And then if we look, because Abdel blocked the attack with his dolls, do we see any? Yeah, we see even more bugs. It's like other bugs, and it looks like icicles. Okay, okay. So then we see some, like, smoke coming off the head of one of the dolls. I think that doesn't really do much for us in regard to our question of whether or not it's something fire or magma-related or if it's acid. I think that that could still be anything. But there are definite, you know, spikes and and solid, sharp things coming out of these doll heads. And, like, the black tendrils seem to be dissipating. So I still yeah. lean towards shadow stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, wow, that's cool, man. Especially with an edgy school like Valkus. Also, Abdel, mother, he calls the doll. Have we ever heard him call the doll mother before? Is that something that I'm just forgetting? I can't remember. I think he has before. Let us know he's in the comments for sure. Yeah, let us know in the comments. Like, we know that he's always talking to this doll. I remember I had a theory a long time ago that, like, the doll was Abdel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Secretly, because the dialogue bubbles always come from the doll, not from Abdel directly. You know what I mean? I still think that could be a thing. Who knows? Maybe that's some oh, kind of crazy man. comedic or or awkward twist that Komoto is like waiting to give us. But there's got to be a reason why dialogue bubbles for Abdel never point to his mouth. They always like point to this doll. I yeah. Like right, and, and it could be a ventriloquism thing. That's totally possible. It's dolls. That's fine. But, like, has he ever called this doll mother, I guess, is my question. So, comment section, let us know. Remind us. Because if it is, and it's not, like, some weird projection, does yeah. that mean that when he was a kid, turn, used magic and turned his mom into a doll? Wait, 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 wait. I think that is exactly what this means, bro. Wait, and then also, why wouldn't he just reverse it? Yeah, also, you're in a school full of magicians, the strongest magicians, the greatest wizards in the world, and you can't get that fixed? What kind of bunk-ass magical health care? Yeah. This is actually set in the U.S. I knew it. I knew it. The yeah. elections, <laughs> health care. This is the U.S. Yeah, dude, and we've, we've gotten so many, like, we got so many new concepts from the Abdel arc. Like, we got the concept of them converting magical power into a vial of liquid that you could take to strengthen yourself. That all, we got all of that in the Abdel arc, you know what I mean? So, this is actually a pretty crazy line of dialogue if we haven't seen it before. Instead of adrenochrome, it's a arcanochrome. Insane. Yeah, Insane. Right. Crazy stuff. 
Mash, um, Mash, like, he still talks to his doll. Look at this guy. That was so funny at the end. He's just chilling. Also, his bad math. Like, Dude, the dudes. math was hilarious. I was like, bro, no way. And, like, I'm really bad at math, so when he's, like, counting, I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, okay, math. Mash, Mash kind of doing it out here. And then they were like, bro, what is that math? And I was like, oh, yeah, Mash, you idiot. What are you talking about, bro? <laughs> but, it, like, in the like in my mind, I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm kind of stupid. But yo, <laughs> he said it with such confidence. It really tricks him. He did. I was like, "Oh shit!" But yeah, I don't know. Did you have anything else for this chapter of Mashal? No, I mean, I think I had pretty much very similar sentiments on like the pacing of the series. Yeah. Um, but it's still a bang up chapter, uh, full of lots of small details that yeah. are easy to miss. At the end um, of the day, regardless of the gripes, regardless of the complaints, regardless of the criticisms. I still can't wait for the next chapter. So they're doing yeah, something right. Uh, right. Start off hot. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I think that'll do it for this chapter of Mashal. All right. Getting into Black Clover, chapter 307, A Devil's Heart. How do we feel? You know what? I like this because normally I feel like when you strike it's like the final fantasy bloodborne bosses right like yeah. when you have a thing you kill them oh i have a whole new health bar and i pop back up like nothing happened and it's bullshit yeah <laughs> this is a great window into why that happened right i like that the flashback serves a point so the flashback where he's like oh yeah no i needed to be heartless and i took the shot and i killed my opponent by sacrificing my ally the line that he had where he's just like, yeah, no, you curved your shot to miss your ally. And if you'd gone straight for the heart, you yeah. would have killed me. Right. But you gave me just enough time as I was dying to make a deal. Right. To spare my life and to properly kill you. Yeah. So like that makes sense. It rehits like Xenon's character. Right. It like, it, it was a, it was a flashbag that wasn't there to like, it, it was supposed to evoke sympathy, but like it right. wasn't there exclusively it wasn't just it wasn't just pathos it was also parallel line drawing and honestly like imagine the situation like without the flashback right you know what i mean like we don't get xenon's story and it's literally just the arrow piercing him him going to get a power up coming back out saying you just narrowly missed my heart because your friend was in the way it wouldn't hit nearly as hard and that's obvious like we know that and that's why the flashback is there but that's why flashbacks and development for your antagonists is important because automatically now that we have this pathos for xenon the events of everything that happens coming out of that flashback are right away more wildly more significant than anything that we've seen from his character leading up at least in my opinion you know what I mean? So like having no development, having no flashback, no pathos for Dante or Vanica, despite how much screen time they got, is a major reason why people complain the way that they do is because things seem to be happening for kind of like no reason inside of these characters. Almost arbitrary reasons. Yeah, exactly. It does feel very mm -hmm. arbitrary. Their their motivations, their their actions, their dialogue, you know what I mean? It's like, who are you? Besides just mm -hmm. someone who thinks they're stronger than everyone else in the room. You know what I mean? And Xenon now, that we have a flashback for him, and that we're getting development, we're getting his story. 
Like, I just care so much more for the situation now. Exactly. He's so much better than his siblings. Like, um, even though he had almost no presence within the series before, he was like, oh, I'm here in the background and I'm just kicking ass. Okay, cool. Like, he got, like, very little screen time, very little thing. Yeah. In these two, three chap, like, three chapters? Yeah. Tabata has sealed this character as the best one right. out of the Spade Kingdom arc, hands down, despite For all sure. the cool gravity powers, despite the cool curses and like the explosive, like massive spreads of bad guys and lightning and all these cool things. This fight in a tight, confined space where magic is suppressed to a massive degree, where that like that should be considered like almost like an like an action stopper, right. a muter of like forward momentum within the fights. Yeah. This somehow seems more dire and sure. like actually has stakes. Like Tabata, this was really good. Like I like I know that longtime fans have always like had um of, of like our series uh here have had like yeah you know you know you guys don't like black clover as much this is a fantastic it one is. two hit combo from tabata like i'm really glad to see this i feel like uh, this it, is just like base effect from giving your antagonist a story though you know what i mean like as far as backstories go in black clover that's like one of my biggest points of praise at this point in the series is how well flashbacks for characters like jack flashbacks mm -hmm. for characters like knocked those slapped so hard in this arc. This flashback for Xenon is right on time, in my opinion. It makes sense. It feels good. But it still is one of the clunkier back flashbacks that I feel like that we've seen in the story. And I don't know if that's because of timing. I don't know if that's because of pacing. I think that like the overall line that's drawn between Xenon and Yuno to the point where Tabata gave him his own Asta. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a um, Joker style. I don't even want. I don't. I, I don't. Even, yeah, you know. Mirror. Yeah, and 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 that's fine too. I don't. I didn't want to go into the idea of like all it takes is one bad day because like it wasn't really built up in that kind of way. It was literally like it felt so fast to me. You know what I mean? In the flashback chapter where it's like let, let, let's let's even go back to it because I feel like we should talk about it since we've been on break for a while. But like this flashback was fire in the beginning. What happened to you? Did you get hurt again? And then it shows the young triad members, Dante, Vanica, Xenon, with the fourth Zogratis sibling, you know, kind of ominous, you know, ambiguous in the background, can't see their face. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, okay, we're getting some insight into things. We got we got Xenon's Asta over here. Okay, we're, this is this is driving home that parallel between Xenon and Yuno. You know what I mean? They both have a very similar come up. They both have very similar personalities. They both have very similar goals. You know what I mean? But Xenon sacrificed his Asta in a moment where he chose a utilitarian route to save everyone, even at the cost of his best friend's life. That was very tragic. That was very, that was, that was fire. But I couldn't help but think that maybe this flashback would have slapped harder if he had two chapters for it. You know what I mean? Two chapters in a row for the flashback of the villain group that you have withheld from us for so long, it, when you finally give us one, devote the proper amount of time to it. Because as good as it was, like, as good as it was, it felt like the, the, and I understand you're in the moment, it's last minute, you have a decision to make, you're like, holy shit, what do I do? Uh, sacrifice my Asta to kill the demon. 
You know what I mean? Like, fine, kill the devil. Like, cool. Like, you did that thing. But then, like, the mm-hmm. scene leading up to that was, like, a very small panel in the bottom. Like, I'm sorry, big brother. I'm not interested in becoming a devil host. And it's like, sure, we have, like, a lot of, you know, subtle background foreshadowing for this probably or something somewhere inside of Black Clover. But, like, I just remember getting to pages, like, eight and nine of the flashback in retrospect after the devil shows up inside of the dungeon after they all try their best to beat it it goes very fast from yeah let's go beat this dungeon to oh the devil is here my asta is in harm's way i have the skill you know the means to defeat it and i'm just gonna blast it through my homeboy and kill the guy so like one question that i have is like I'm sure this is just me misremembering the series because I don't, um, you know, look into it as deeply as the other series that we cover. But, like, has it always been a thing that dungeons just pop up randomly and, you know, magic knights have to go kind of inspect it and, like, you know, beat it and then come out? Because, like, it reminded me of Magi. And I don't remember the last time in the story that this was, that this concept was, was actually, like, dove into. So, like, when I say, like, hey, when I saw the dialogue bubble that was like, hey, a new you know, a, a new dungeon popped up. Who are you sending after? And they're like, we got this, you know, and they ran towards it. I legitimately did not remember the last time we got dialogue like that. So um, it, the last time we had any dungeons was water temple, they were, right? Yeah, they were looking for the water temple. There was yeah. like the sand temple there. There was like the sand dungeon. There was a couple dungeons that like hid certain things. They were like, hey, we need to go train. We need to go get these items. So they all went to dungeons and like did their thing and got their parts of the MacGuffin to like move the story forward. Right, right, right. Okay. That was pretty much the only dungeon stuff we've really done. Now, I remember that. Um, I remember the water temple. I remember like all of that stuff relatively well. But I don't remember the whole concept of they just sprout randomly. And it's like, there's a dungeon over um, there that just showed up. Go handle that. You know what I mean? I, I don't think yeah. what it did was they they basically formed around knots in the ley line. Mm. Or something like that. Okay. And then they manifested. Because they're like, oh, this dungeon's really old. It's been here for a long yeah, time. Yeah, like, it's cool it's if dungeons are a thing in the story. Because obviously we've been to them before. So, like, it's not yeah. a problem that dungeons are being but talked like, about in this how chapter. They manifest, but the how manifestation they and, like, how they occur, right, is, like, where I'm just, like, drawing a blank. So, if why, that's always been there, there cool. a powerful devil there as well? And, you know, and the um, devil is being there. And it looks like all it took was, like, you know, a... A, a, a drastic concentrated bone attack to kind of defeat this devil was that devil like outright defeated after that like is it that easy to defeat a devil that doesn't really look like too drastic of a shot of damage for a devil like we've seen devils take all kinds of damage I, I, like he probably just like hit his core and like that's fine it's probably not a very high powered devil it's just a devil and like that's cool you know what i mean like that's mm-hmm. fine you know what i mean but if like and if it's so fast and it's so capable that you can't get an opening and the only way that you could deal damage to its torso, which is obviously the kill point for it, is to attack your friend and hit it, like, that's fine. That's cool. But I can't help but feel like this all just happened, like, so fast. And maybe it's not too fast, but maybe, like, it. I genuinely believe that it would have slapped a little bit harder if Tabata took a little bit more time with this flashback and gave it two chapters. And maybe we go back into another flashback, 
you know, for Xenon and just continue the story after he's defeated Maybe. or whatever. And that would totally be fine too. But I can't help but feel like in the moment, it just like didn't slap hard enough for a Black Clover flashback as far as like what I'm expecting of them since flashbacks like knocked and flashbacks like Jack. Mm. That felt so complete and so thorough and so well paced. This one seems like it's incomplete, and that's probably because there's more coming, which is totally fine. But like in a moment, this dire, and you're leading into the to a climactic point of this conflict. It's like give the villain the time he needs to be fleshed out. It's like the mm -hmm. action isn't going anywhere. We've had nothing but action for like 70 chapters, brother. Like you can slow it down enough to give your villain the pathos he needs to feel like a fucking character in this war arc yeah. invasion arc whatever you want to call it it's like we've been complaining about how like one-dimensional these villains have felt for a long time in black clover and now you finally have some time to kind of like chill out and let us know who these villains are and you only give it to xenon so far which is weird because like i think that the pacing is fine yeah. having one flashback episode sure. at the point of like near death and then transitioning easily but like I think that it would have been effective, like more effective, if they had given Xenon a little more screen time and a little more air to like breathe out his character, right? Right, because what do we get? We get him destroying Diamond Kingdom. That's the first time we saw him, and we all thought he was Crollo yeah. Lucifer. And there were memes mm -hmm. about how Crollo stumbled into the Black Clover universe. Like it was all that. Like that was tight. I was like, okay, what's going on with this guy? Then we get the fucking, you know, dark triad, like, war room conversation where you see Vanica and Xenon and Dante in full renders, and you're like, this is who they are. They have their conversation. They seem very diabolical. You're like, okay, can't wait till we get more of that. And then the more that we get is Vanica and her weird outlook and her cringy dialogue, Dante and his you know, very trite, played out. Yeah, yeah, very played out motivations on both sides for Vanica and Dante. And to boot, no pathos, no backstory barely, no fleshing out, literally just opposition with standard mm -hmm. dialogue is how I look at Dante and Vanica. And then Xenon, you know, has his moments where he takes out Diamond, has his war room discussion with the other two, and then he doesn't really do anything again until he kills Vengeance. Until here, he kills man. Vengeance in the Golden Dawn. Then you see him and you're like, oh shit, okay, he's strong as hell. It's just more strength feats, basically. It. More evil feats, basically. And then he goes away until Yami is, you know, kidnapped after the Dante fight. And then he goes away again until he comes back as another obstacle of opposition for Yuno in this invasion. You get more information about his magic and how his magic works. And then he's gone again until right now. Like, that's like five instances in like 70 chapters for yeah. the villain that you're building up to this point, to the point where you're going to be, he's going to be the only one that gets a flashback. You know what I mean? It's like you could have done so if you were if you were going to focus on Xenon to this degree above all of the you know the other triad members, you could have why not give him more screen time before this then? Mm -hmm. Right. Why did I have to fucking sit there with survival of the fittest Vanica? You're not strong enough. Are you strong? I'm strong. Are you stronger than me? Probably not. You know what I mean? That's like we had to play, deal with yeah. that fucking dialogue for so long. And Dante, I'm strong. Y'all are beneath me. I'm better than you. Literally like carbon copy male and female version peasant. of each other. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then um, it's like, okay, no, Xenon was the one that we were supposed to care about the whole time. Well, then why didn't you give us more Xenon? And why did you give us so much Vanica and Dante being one-dimensional as fuck leading up to this? And then if you are going to eventually focus on Xenon, give him more fucking time to cook, bro. This was a phenomenal mm -hmm. flashback. Like, it was a great it's one potential. Too. It's potential, I, I should say, is phenomenal. But the execution was just like bare minimum at the end of the day. And that's like disappointing to me. Yeah. And like the thing is, even with the flashback, it added an extra element. It's like, who's the big brother in the wheelchair? Is he going to be like the secret bad guy of the whole Spade Kingdom? And he's like been referenced just now. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I wonder if he's like, yes. I sacrificed all three of my siblings to be hyper-demonized so that I could have a perfect body Mechamaru style. I don't know, dude. Like, Yeah, and it's like, especially if you're going to be introducing this, like, Asta and you know parallel to this He degree. had a flaming sword. He had a, he had yeah. a big magical greatsword. I was like, wow, he is literally just a carbon copy of Asta. Yeah. Thank God he's fighting you know. Right, <laughs> like, you know, and it's like, if you're going to do all of this for Xenon... It's like, give us the flashback that he really deserves in this moment. Even if you're going to break the flashback up, you know, across multiple segments in the arc, whatever, do that. And I'll probably say it feels better now once we have the whole picture. Who knows? Oh, man. But like, like right a, now, like two -parter. well, sure. And, and I feel uh, like that's coming. You can have, I, like, yeah. you can have like the arrow enter their body, begin flashback. That's the up build up, the hopeful part, and then the second part, the tragedy arrow exiting his back. Sure. And then you have this chapter, and you're like, oh, cool, those lines are referenced. Fantastic. Like, you were willing to take the shot. Cool. I get it. I respect that. Yeah. Um, Literally like, anything other than making it feel like sardines packed into a can for the, for the fucking flashback that you finally give your antagonists yeah. in this arc. You know what I mean? It's like, man, can't help but feel rather let down. You know what I mean? But because I do dig that line on page I, nine. Oh, uh, uh, the if you'd sacrifice your comrade to pierce my heart, you would have won. Like that's a good line. Oh, 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 my bad. I'm still on three oh six. I'm tweaking. Let me get to three oh seven. Three oh seven, page nine. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now this hit me. Th this is this is like literally like what I feel like the entire flashback was for. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's like and it hit. we are drawing this parallel. You saw the Asta, you saw him die, you saw him die in the way that he did, and it's like, oh shit, okay, I kind of feel for Xenon now because he had a really tough choice to make in a very, you know, drastic situation where you didn't have a lot of time to think and you just made a decision. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I can't help but think that you, if he is the kind of person that would make this decision in this moment, you should have built up that in his character before you had him make the decision because there was literally nothing he that had, let me think that he would choose the great, you know, the, you know, the, um... He just seemed very the, stark and, like, plain-spoken. Well, well, not just that, but it's like, okay, we're in a shonen manga. And I understand that this is a villain, so you have to show that they make villainous decisions in moments where you know the protagonist would have found a different way to go about it. I know mm -hmm. that that's the point of the scene, and I can fill in the gaps just fine with my imagination. But from an analytical perspective... And just the history of flashbacks that have tried to do the same thing in the past, like, you see some kind of lead up to that decision making beyond just, beyond just, hey, bro, I don't want your devil host. 
oh, I had to make a terrible decision. Power is everything. Discard the weak. It slaps that like the weak should be discarded came from Xenon's inner monologue in reference to himself. That was a very powerful panel where he's literally crying tears. And then that line of dialogue is on that same panel. Like the weak should be discarded. He's saying that about himself. I loved that. I thought that was a great yeah. moment of human of, uh, of of humanity for the character. So the pathos works. Trust me, it does. Mm-hmm. But the execution is no, like crying face right and and like the execution of this i can't help but go like man it's like asta would never have made that decision you know would never have made that decision so show the character trait that sets them apart in that decision making before you have them make the decision because up until that it was literally just like hey what's up bro i don't want your devil oh i just had to kill my asta all right i'm ready for my devil now like that's all the that's all the foreshadowing that we get to this line of thought and and once again, me from evil is friendship. Well, once again, you know what I mean. Like going back, you know, to to to, you know, he's a villain. Obviously, villain a villain would make this kind of decision in this moment. But if you're going to build him up as someone who was very akin to you know up until this very tragic moment where he literally just made a decision on the fly that you know or Asta wouldn't have made, that's not a that's not like a big enough difference. You know what I mean? And actually, you want to know what? Maybe it is a big enough difference, right? Because, like, how many of us have been in that situation? None of us. Very little of us, no. at the very least. So who am I to say? It's hard but at the, to imagine. But at the end of the day, we um, are in a fucking fantasy story where you have tropes and you have archetypes that you have clearly mm-hmm. been adhering to for your entire series. So, like, I doubt that you want to leave something like that, you know, up to the gap-filling of imagination and, and interpretation of your audience, where everything else has been very black and white and transparent up until this point. Mm-hmm. So it is kind I, of awkward in that way to me. I honestly wanted this little, like, just a little snippet of a scene, just squeeze a little more into a very short, like... Of him just breaking down episode. mentally before the decision to kill his Asta. That's all I want. Yeah, I wanted that, but, like, for me, what I wanted was make me a devil host and then the thing says i can take away your tears or something like that yeah because the guy has like a very blank face he's very stoic not very emotional very uh he comes off as flat compared to dante and Banica, despite how um repetitive those two are um but like i would have loved it if they're like oh the reason he seems flat is because the devil took away his like elevated emotional responses sure as part of his pact and that's why he has no tears because he that. can't anymore. I would love that, but like we don't, we didn't get that. Yeah. But I kind of assumed, you know, like right. that's just like that's 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 us, the reader, filling in the gaps, doing that sort of uh, rigor, that kind of legwork. Sure. Um, and maybe this is all why Tabata is giving Xenon this flashback is because he's going to be redeemed because of the parallels that were drawn between him and you know, you know what I mean. So like. And maybe that's why Dante and Vanica didn't get a flashback is because they're just incorrigible bad guys that need to be taken down and there's nothing else to them. You don't need pathos. Just beat their ass and move on. But Xenon is the outlier that actually has motivations, actually has a past that matters, actually is a character that is supposed to be known, you know, as one, as a, 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 you know, a good character, someone who does have a little bit more depth and a little bit more nuance than, you know, his brothers and sisters. You know what I mean? You know, so, like, if that's the case, I, like, whatever. But I think you might be onto something because everyone that has had a flashback 
is someone that was seen as like antagonistic or um, cruel and that they were redeemed. Like uh, Vengeance, the Elves, Jack. Knocked. Uh, knocked. Um, our trap lane guy. Um, Zora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zora. Like all of them were like, we're bad guys. We're tough guys. Okay, there's a reason for why we are the way we are. So like, right. I'm glad that Xena got that. And like, I'm glad that Vanica and Dante really didn't. Like, that sure. makes sense. Your take makes sense. That's fine. Like, I'm glad that they did. Like, like thinking about it now, like, I'm glad that they didn't get that shine where it was all meant for Xenon. But, like, why did you give me Vanica and Dante for so long? For then? so long. Like, why were they such a big deal for so I had to deal with them for so long going, all of this is going to feel so much better once we get their flashback. And it just never came. <laughs> and then they're defeated. And I'm like, what the fuck were you on screen so long for? Like, I'm actually mad now type shit. You know what I mean? You know, I part of me wondered if it was a combination of like, because they did also go on a hiatus for their own health. That's and right. Maybe they were buying time for a while and just be like well we can do fight scenes for a while this is I'm, i need to make my pre preparations and stuff so like maybe that's a real world sure. explanation for it sure, sure, but sure. At the same time, like, these are just our conjecture our right. opinions right random thoughts yeah yeah but otherwise, I mean, outside of those complaints, and I know that I, like, always go on, like, a diatribe or, like, a tirade about, like, Black Clover and what I don't like about it, but, like, this chapter and these last couple of chapters have been really good. You know what I mean? Like, I like I, at least the last two. You know what I mean? Like, the the, the, the Xenon versus, you know, Yuno and Langris, and then Yuno's like, all I need is one shot. Langris buys them the time, gives him his one shot. It wasn't enough. New pack made inside of Xenon and Beelzebub, which is a drastic name for a devil that we got to talk about too. But like yeah. all of this stuff, like progression for threat and stakes or whatever, feels fine for Black Clover. Like, like you know what I mean? And now that we have the pathos and the backstory for Xenon, this is the most compelling that the story has felt inside of its conflict for me it. in Absolutely. a while. Like since, since uh, Magna versus Dante, I want to say this is like the best I've felt about Black Clover. Mm, yeah. You know, since then. The you chains. know, yeah, so it's fine. Oh, regardless man. of my gripes, regardless of my complaints, like this all I feels like fine. The art in this one, it's crisp. Yeah. It's not as cluttered as like some of like the, the multi-body thread splashes that we had in a while. Right. Um, which I appreciate. Um, like Dante's full, you know, demon is devilization form looks amazing absolutely i love like i know you're a big x-man guy so yeah, i love sure. the marrow-esque spikes on the hands yeah. jutting out of their back yeah those spikes um absolutely i really, really dig um the kind of contrast of him and you know and you know having a crown and then him also having kind of almost a crown of both horns and antlers right and itself having a very kind of like maintaining that parallel i love um, the transformed form for xenon i just want to say it's one big you know bleach reference at the end of the day a lot of people have been saying this is very reminiscent of ukiora with the stark black usage mm -hmm. against the whites with the hole in the chest and you know the the physique you know or whatever of the of the ultimate form feels very ukiora so i like i like that if that is a reference i'm fucking with that you know what I mean? I mean like, all referential. I love that sure. part too. I, I love that give and take that like multiple mediums 
get to have and especially in manga especially in like all forms of art like i just like how that borrows like uh you know we got like so many christian paintings and stuff right inside uh chainsaw man i yes. ate that stuff up oh yeah we did um the the langris and finral team up at the end is very wholesome it makes sense that finral shows up here especially with his line of dialogue where he's like yo I know I was supposed to kind of like be tasked with going to go try to save Yami or something, but as soon as I saw you, you know, coming in here, you know, with you know or whatever he said, it's like I had to come check out on my brother. You know what I mean? Like that makes a lot of sense. It felt well timed. It felt great. Like, it felt great, well timed. I love this at the had, end. I mean, it's like what you said earlier, where uh, Xenon's character development was uh, rushed. Langris and Finrol's like long time coming type shit. Yeah. Their conciliation yeah. and like willing to actually tolerate each other, team up and mutually care about each other and like work in tandem has been coming a long way. It's been right. built up and like the pacing was good. Yes. Um, so like this part was really satisfying to me. Um, the application like of the fallen angels wing beat, which is a technique that I'm pretty sure that we've seen before. I don't want to say that. I don't. I really don't want to say that Tabata is making this up, right? Like right now. Like no, we've seen uh, this, right? Angel swing beat. We, we, so <laughs> we've seen this technique because I'm assuming with this flashback panel of him literally using it another time, mm -hmm. that that is proof enough that this is a technique that has existed before this. But I legitimately, personally, do not remember whatever scene this is referencing. But I can I can read the context clues. And I know that this is not a brand new technique on behalf of Langris, so that feels yep. great. That feels he great. He just doesn't say the name when he does it very often. Right, 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 right. Um, just for like big splashes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, can confirm, worry not. Um, yeah, I wanna see all that kind of stuff. Yeah, now the, the, this fourth brother of the triad Right. That kind of creeps me out. I'm it, like, it's is it's cool. Like a... It's cool, yeah. though, because it's like, okay, we have the dark triad in our face. They're kind of like underwhelming to a certain degree. So we're like, we got Morris, though, cooking in the background. So like, what's going on with Morris? We think Morris is going to be the real villain of the, at least I and and I, and I think at least Kiko have, have, have at least said, and maybe even Nick have said, like, feel like we're re really trying to just get to Morris with the dark triad as like, this overly built up obstacle in the meantime. But now it seems like this fourth sibling is going to be more of a, you know, twist subversion end game, you know, obstacle than even Morris. You know what I mean? And like, that's cool to think about. But now I'm thinking I, like, how much longer is this art gonna be? Cause we gotta get to Morris eventually. Is Morris just gonna be brushed over as like the mad scientist who's always dropping his papers and trying to, you know, enact some shit in the background, you know what I mean? But then just gets whooped when the fucking opposition pulls up to him. No, I feel like he's being built up to be a serious threat. So it's like, if we have to deal with Xenon after all of this dark triad business, and then we deal with Xenon and his flashback, we finally beat him, then we go to Morris, and it's like, oh, Morris was really the bad guy the whole time in the background, then we beat him, and then it's the fourth sibling after that, I'm gonna feel like we're getting into this arc is dragging territory, depending mm. on how compelling Tabata makes that writing, which... Is, is Morris the fourth sibling, or is that... Am I tripping? I don't think so, cause Morris. Well, that'd be that'd be a pretty crazy twist. I'm not gonna lie to you, but like I just don't feel it because I'm pretty sure that this fourth sibling has black hair, 
at least from mm. like the little snippets that we've seen him. And it could just be a lighting thing. It could be a way to use shadows to throw you off or whatever. But like, I'm pretty sure Morris has light colored hair. Okay. Um, I mean, there's the things where like trauma will cause your hair to shock white or something that's just happened sure. in the anime before. Like, yeah, that's fine too. Um, I was waiting for like, I think like based off the old flashback and like the triad running Spade Kingdom, what if the fourth brother basically, he physically wasn't strong enough. So he basically figured out a way to leverage his healthy siblings into being good little hosts to have power. And right. he took over the country using his siblings. And so what if they get to this giant throne room with like a ramp and at the top of the ramp is this elaborate ass wheelchair. And this man's like kind of desiccated, physically infirm. And he's just like, hey man, I was king of the spade kingdom. Hey, and yo. I did it. I sacrificed my 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 siblings' childhoods for all of this, and it was worth it. <laughs> you know that kind Fuck of it. thing. Let's go. Like, that'd be kind of interesting to see. Hell yeah! As far as the action goes, the art was incredible in this chapter. Um, as far as like the progression of action goes, like I feel like it's very formulaic inside of Black Clover, where it's like, you know, profound, confident dialogue, confident attack does damage person takes it now that i've taken the damage you get my flashback i have new form i send attack at you now you're out you know what i mean like it's very you know badminton in that way it's very tennis you know what i mean as far as like the conflict kind of progresses in in black clover which i feel like is something that you can almost kind of count on so like i'm missing that uncertainty in action and and Mm -hmm. in combat that a lot of other stories in weekly shonen jump i feel do a lot better you know what I mean? But as long as the storytelling behind the formulaic execution of action is there, I don't usually care as much. Mm-hmm. But, like, everything just feels so standard in Black Clover that, like, especially coming out of a fucking flashback that I feel like was underwhelming, I can't say that I'm, like, too excited for the action moving forward just because I feel like I can predict it. And if I'm wrong, great. Whatever. You know what I mean? But, like, I don't like feeling this confident about the way action moves in a series that's this late in its game. You know what I mean? So, like... Not It's a curse to always be right, you know? I mean, and it's not even that. It's just, like, it's, like, I don't... I guess it is I guess it is a curse in in, in regard to your quote, but I really don't feel like I'm right all that often in my assumption of how these stories go. Yeah. Like, we can can have some pretty good guesses. We've called a couple things here and there. But... The thing is, I think that, uh, at least for you and I, uh, a big part of our conversations is conjecture. We went on in do- for Dr. Stone, and we we're just like, wait a second, what about this? And so, like, what if this us, happens? The, what if that happens? Yeah. The, the, the theory crafting, the joy right. of, you know, trying to, like, manipulate this Rubik's Cube right. of possible panels and ideas like i want to figure out how it fits together i want to see it's a lot more fun in stories like dr stone jujutsu kaisen pretty much anything else that we're following right now because we always have these ideas of how the story can go and then the story always goes oh yeah you thought that would be cool well what actually happens is dookieing on that whereas in black clover it's like i feel like i'm constantly thinking of really cool things that black clover can do just for really standard things to end up happening you know what i mean and it's like i don't like feeling like that even if i'm wrong 
about what I think is going to happen, what actually happens is still around the realm of what I guessed. And it's like, that's not a good feeling. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like one piece blows my fucking that. mind when my I predictions are incorrect. Uh, I'm sorry. What'd you say? No. I was like, I feel like I've never guessed one piece correctly, except for I was right. Momo did turn into a dragon. And Absolutely. I did call that. So. Absolutely. I, I like, and I've been right with oh, one Lord. piece like three times in my entire life as like a fucking 10 plus year reader. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm at a point now where I'm like, okay, I got my ideas for one piece, but Oda's going to blow the top off that shit and do some other shit. I have that confidence in his storytelling to know that like, yeah, it's cool to think of possibilities, but whatever he decides to do is going to it's shit on this. Yeah. You know what I mean? But inside of black Clover, it's like, if I'm not right about the way that it's going to go, Whatever way it does going is not very far far off, you know, and I don't like feeling like that. It's like my trajectory was not far off. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know. I'm someone that was a huge fan of Black Clover in the beginning of its publication. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's. I feel like it's for me. Black Clover fulfills um an arena very similar to naruto where i was very much in love with like the early naruto and stuff sure. and then as it became more of a power manga yeah, yeah. i was just like, i became less invested in how that worked out so i you know maybe it's just that the power manga and their formulas just aren't that appealing to me sure and maybe like maybe that. maybe it's just at the point that we're at in our you know fandom of the medium mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because exactly. it's like this we, might get we've been exposed to so many of the foundational stories that laid down these tropes. And we're so familiar with the deconstruction, you know, of the those demographic. Yeah, of those same tropes inside of stories like Hunter Hunter, Chainsaw Man. But mm. I don't even know if Chainsaw Man is a good it, example. It, it probably is. But, like, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Like, we've gotten... It's kind of saturated the market. Yeah, like, we were there for the construction. Or inverted form. Right. Uh, we were there for the construction. We were there for the deconstruction. Black Clover very much so feels like a reconstruction, whereas everyone else in the magazine seems to kind of be stemming from that initial deconstruction of the previous generation. So that's mm. probably a big reason why... At least I feel the way that I do about about Black Clover. And I've talked about it in our segments before. You know what I mean? Like, Black Clover's not doing anything wrong inherently to no. itself. You know what I mean? Well. But just in my opinion of, like, how I feel the story should be going at this point, which doesn't mean a whole lot at the end of the day. It's just but opinion. you're here listening to my opinion, so you have to care to some degree. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just don't feel like it. I feel like it's just very underwhelming in a lot of areas where I feel like it had the potential to do something great. You know what I mean? And like that disappointment is what fuels these gripes and these criticisms that I have pretty much every week in this segment. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, that's just us. That's just us. And I'm and 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 regardless of everything that I've said, I'm happy about what Black Clover is doing right now at the yeah. end of the day, because if, 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 if I turn my my brain off, I shouldn't even say that if I. <laughs> if i stop thinking about hey, all of the things that other if i stop thinking about all the things that other manga in my opinion are doing better than black clover then black clover is it's I always going to seem lackluster when you're yeah. comparing it to things that have yeah. things that you specifically like for right. them yeah and it's just like sometimes you just got to enjoy that series for it is this is right. still shonen jump right it's it's uh, i've said it before this is mostly directed at a younger demographic right um and like, 
it functions well. It follows its it follows its path, and uh, it's gonna tell. Like the thing is, like even though our trajectories are very similar in like what we predicted black clover, if we made black clover, it would look nothing like black clover. It's like oh yeah, I'd want to say for sure. I do not think that I could write this story better than Tabitha. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like I have my issues with it that make me sound you know like whatever you know way that our audience. So smart. Yeah, yeah, like. No, I yeah. know. I'm making a podcast about manga and not being a manga cut. Okay, yeah. I know. Yeah, like I get it. You know what I mean? Like I do not by any means think that like any of my ideas for how Black Clover could be better in specific controlled moments, I don't think that Tabata changing it in that way will just make Black Clover automatically a better series. It's just thoughts that I have in the moment when I decide to finally talk about this in this setting with you and the others. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So. So, like, at the end of the day, it's like, will I take the time out to really go through the story of Black Clover and put, like, create a video or a thread on, like, my real thoughts on what I think it's doing well and what I think it's doing wrong? No, because I just don't care enough about the series to do that. But, like, at the end of the day, like, we're here reviewing it. I respect yeah. the fuck out of Tabata for what he's doing, the things that he does positive, or the things that, the, the things that I think that he does well. I think that I verbalized an appropriate amount inside of this segment over the years and if you if you look at our fucking black clover reviews from the beginning of project manga to now you will see a very gradual you know um decline of my opinion for the series you know what i mean so so like i don't want anybody to think you know newer newer audiences that are you know that are watching these reviews for the first time might think that i'm just being a hater for haters sake you know it's really not like that and 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 i <laughs> normally i don't feel a need to defend myself like to this degree in black clover segments but it's like i i, I feel like i have been kind of like back and forth in my praise and and criticism for black clover from chapter to chapter you know and i feel like if i was just a hater it would be nothing but slander at all times but like yeah. there are so many times in this arc where i've been like tabata is going in right now you know what i mean so years back you were the one that recommended me black clover in our original group chat like you were the one that was like hey guys check this out i think this is gonna be it's a big three series. chapters i was like it's only three chapters but trust me i was here from chapter one i read chapter two i read chapter three this might you be a little bit it. premature but this shit is up next i was saying that from the top of my yeah, fucking lungs you know what i mean so is, like and it took off it's a wild yes. popular so you're like you yes. were right and it's just like okay it's still popular it's still really doing really well for itself Here's the other things that I'm like, okay, it's like any series, like, um, it's like what we were talking about, like Dr. Stone was like, I'm glad that it's a series that seems like it's going to wrap itself up, has a very distinct plan for yes. what it has, like Chainsaw Man had a yes. very clear linear plan for what it wanted and it was self-contained and the story ended i just don't like feeling like a mangaka is making shit up along the way and i yeah. know and i'm gonna give more credit to tabata than that because i am not ready to say that tabata is just making this shit up, making week. It up. i don't think any mangaka as bad as we think the storytelling is or lackluster whatever word you want to apply to it i do not think any mangaka makes up their story from week to week that no. is absurd maybe it's happened I don't know if I've read any of those stories. I, I definitely don't think Black Clover is doing it, but I don't know what's worse. You writing something that I disagree with or that I don't like all that much and it legitimately being something where you're writing it from week to week 
because at least there's more of an excuse there. It's like, what are you doing, first of all? But like at the end of the day, it's like you're writing this week to week. So how much can we really expect? Or is it worse that you planned all of these things that I don't like? <laughs> you know, like I don't know what's worse. Or it might be just like a matter of plans. Like, OK, I know what the, the ending points sure. are. And then but I don't know how to fill in the have gap. a flexible filling right. of a thing. It's like, I'm going to do this. I have a couple of these points. I'm going to at least get these fleshed out. And now I have room to like foundation to like build off right. and reconnect these points. And I'm going to make sure at least these bullet points that I have pre-planned are there. Yeah. And I can get that feeling from like a couple other manga, um, but you know, such is life. Yeah, for sure. Do you have anything that you wanted to, else that you wanted to say about uh, Black Clover three hundred seven? I'm just really excited for Finral and Langris, like too. being bros and like bro brawl, man. I'm ready. Right, right. I love, I love that they're teaming up at the end of this chapter. I don't really necessarily like the idea that the Langris and Finral team up is kind of overshadowing the you know retribution on Xenon, mm -hmm. but we'll see how he handles it. We'll see how it goes. Either way, this is a plot point that needed to be wrapped up at some point. Is this an awkward inject in injection? Maybe. But I already said earlier in the review that I think it makes all the sense in the world that, that Finral showed Seems up here me. and why. So as long as it feels good, I'm ready to see what happens from it. But I think that's all that we had for Black Clover this chapter. Good transformations, good arts, good times. For sure. All right, getting into My Hero Academia, chapter 327 rest what a chapter needed this was very needed and and kohei is really good at giving us these wind down post-conflict reprieve chapters you know what i mean and and what, and what i mean by that is just our main characters interacting in very organic and human ways he's very good yeah. at showing that and I feel like it slaps especially hard after major conflicts like the Paranormal Liberation Front War, this post-Tartarus, um, you know, jailbreak arc that we've had that had a lot of high stakes and a lot of action and a lot of emotional, moral weight tied to it. And then we come back and it's just, hey, let's get you in this bath. Let's get you clean. Let's talk about some shit. You know what I mean? And he delivered it in spades, in my opinion. His emotional pacing is really good because, yes. like, one of the things that I find that series trip up the most is when they're like, okay, we need anger, we need fear, we need sadness, we need this. And then, like, they're like, okay, well, let's crank the drama back in. And I'm like, right. <laughs> refraction period, emotionally, okay? Right. <laughs> now, it's these kind of chapters that I constantly reference in these reviews as slapping as hard as they do because of the earlier character work that all of these characters got in the beginning of the series that everyone kind of made fun of it for you know what i mean like mm -hmm. everyone talked about how slow my hero academia was deku sucked for way too long who are these characters that no one cares about like class 1a isn't as fleshed out as a lot of people think that they should be but then when you get to a chapter like this and the haters are going to have their issues with it you know what i mean no matter what you know what i mean yeah. because like people have just decided they don't like these characters or just don't like my hero academia whatever but the people yeah. that are really following it and are still here you know what i mean it's like these kind yeah. of chapters slap because of that foundational character writing 
that Kohei mm -hmm. laid down in the first couple of arcs and then later on in the training arcs and then the first culture fe festival it seems like we're leading into another kind of situation here but it's like all of that little shit that you can't wait to get past week to week you look back on retrospectively and you go this is why i care about these characters so much mm -hmm. and why after an arc like the one we just came out of i'm totally cool with a chapter that's all talking and feels and emotions and catching up between these characters that i said weren't fleshed out enough you know what i mean it's like how long are you going to say that after so many chapters like this yeah i i like this um I like that they put it at like uh, 42 degrees Celsius. I looked it up. It's 107 or so degrees oh, Fahrenheit. Yeah. That yeah. is a hot, hot bath. That'd be um, cool for me. I like my baths, my showers. Mm, I like them just I, under third degree burn. Yeah. Burn the sins off me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but, <laughs> you know, we'd be coming back from some hectic get, weekends you know what i'm saying get me prepared for my time in hell <laughs> yeah. but yeah dude this is a fucking amazing chapter dude like oh man um like even like i like that bakugo is still harsh but he's still trying to be helpful it's like you trying to fill this tub with dirt scrub his skin raw with a wire brush and industrial strength cleanser first yeah and there's a little bit of gag there there's a little bit of like yeah. superfluous bakugo personality but there's an undertone yeah. of I care about you. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So the, like the 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 way that Kohei writes these characters I feel like it's done so well that these characters all represent you know mm -hmm. Kohei's actual person to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Like I feel like there's a little bit of Kohei in all of these characters but not so much that they feel like literal, you know, just reskins of Kohei. I don't know Kohei. I don't know who he is in There's real life or whatever, actually... but I feel like you can kind of feel that from some character writing sometimes, even though you don't know the author. And like, I just never get that feeling. They just feel like real mm. characters, but not yeah. just literal representations of the writer at hand. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. I, um, there was a guy, he was inter being interviewed as a DM online for Dimension 20, uh, Brenly Mulligan. And he said that, um, role-playing and creating characters is a lot like stained glass it's going to be colored but you're always going to see the light or the the real person underneath regardless yes being the fuel for that and so like you can see like certain characters you're like okay yeah maybe this is how you felt about this specific thing right and that's why this just resonates so hard you know that kind right. of thing Right. Um, and that's the vibe I get from a lot of these it is. series sometimes. When um, you can achieve a point in your character writing to where you have these established personalities and character arcs that represent these character characters to us in very um, obvious and standout ways, and then you give us their development, and you give us their growth and progression, and we know that they're different than the last 200 or so chapters, but they're still inherently the same character, I feel like it's very hard to achieve that because it's very easy, I feel like, for a mangaka to take a character like Bakugo, who's very abrasive, very aggressive, very boisterous in his time. And he still is that way, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like to bring it from such a malicious and aggressive point of view to one where jump he- Jump off a building. Yeah, jump off a building type shit. And now we have this Bakugo who's still loud, arrogant, and whatever. But when it comes down to brass tacks, 
He's a completely different character than the beginning There's of the series. There's a core of concern. It would be very easy um, for a mangaka to take an evolution inside of a character like Bakugo and K and go, okay, we gave him the apology scene. Completely different character now. Hey, Izuku Midoriya, what's going on? Like, we're bros now. Like, it wouldn't be that drastic. Yeah. But you would, you know, a lot of mangaka, I feel like, would show this growth in a, completely, in a completely different way. And now there's a very subtle moment here where he's like, including you. Deku, Izuku, you know what I mean? Like on the bottom of page three and he's splashing water at him. Has he ever called him by his last name? Or, uh, or, or, uh, long time. yeah, yeah. Not you know what I mean? Like, I don't time. remember the last time he called him anything other than Deku or a slur. And, and Deku then, is kind of a slur at the same time for, for Bakugo. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's funny because like even that next panel is like too challenging deku's fine catch and he's like i don't know the meaning of challenge yeah dude and it's like man it's like what a great way of showing the growth while keeping the character you know authentic mm -hmm. uh speaking of writing i've loved tokuyami's lines yes like this entire chapter is hilarious even after that grand apology alas nothing has changed and like um page eight they're like Hey, you mad or something? Migraine? Uh, and he's like, nope, only let racked with concern. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Very Eeyore-esque, like yeah. very gothic Eeyore kind of vibes. And see, this is kind of like what I was going, uh, what I was talking about in our Dr. Stone review for this week earlier in the episode, where we have this huge cast, you know, that needs all of this screen time in order to stay relevant enough in our eyes and Kohei's gotten it to a point where we just understand these characters and know these characters to a point where you can give them very succinct, quick interactions across like one or two panels, and that's enough. You know what I mean? Because we 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 feel like we know these characters so much at this point that this felt like everyone got all the screen time they needed. And mm -hmm. it's probably going to continue into the next chapter for all the rest of the ones that might not have gotten the screen time that we think that they would have deserved. Just like in the previous arc where everyone came in and started telling Deku about why they care about him so much. It went from like the main squad to the secondary main squad. They saved Uraraka, you know, like for last and Ida for last. You know, like that all felt really fucking good. It didn't feel formulaic. It didn't feel expected. Everyone got their time in a way that wasn't what we thought it would be. And it still made all the sense in the world. And then you go yeah. into this chapter and we have all of these very small, quick interactions between class 1A, and it's like, yeah, this is enough time for Minetta to do his thing. This is enough time. Like, we got Ojiro for, like, half a panel, but I was like, all right, I saw him. He's swole. He's taking his shit off. You know what I'm saying? Like, like He held a shower handle with yeah, his tail. Yeah, you know, like, it's little subtle shit like that where if you're really paying attention to the story and you're really looking at the art as long as you need to, you get the character work that you need from these characters. If you're it's brushing funny. over this shit at a skimming pace... It'd be very easy for you to go, these are barely characters. Oh, yeah. If you're like, just waiting uh, for Deku and Bakugo and Todoroki and All Might and Endeavor to turn up the whole time, and all of these character interactions seem like filler to you, of course you're going to slander it the way you're that you're just going to wait. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, like, I love page 10, where Jiro is, like, nervous, and she's like, hey, uh, guys, and, like, the way she's holding her body, like, hands behind back, but still, like, her ear jacks are such an expression of her body yes. that she's gesturing them to like come over to her and talk hey. using her ear jacks. Like I love small Very good. stuff like that. I didn't even she notice is, it. I she is like yeah. kind of meek, um, 
maybe not meek timid no she's a shy girl right yeah, like that's fine she's 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 a punk girl plays, plays a little bit band. more reserved kind of apprehensive yeah. yeah 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 um not like demure or anything like that yeah. but she's just like you know a more closed person like tokiyami a little bit right um and the thing is they're talking about like hey man remember the other time people weren't thrilled about us if we want to reassure people bring smiles to the faces maybe we can do that thing uh we did the culture festival and we wouldn't have that kind of uh group bonding thing if we didn't have that group school festival exactly it's like you gotta have like the core premise of the story was we can't be heroes all the time right we're just people exactly and so like i i I really appreciate the just people episodes yes and like this has been like really hammered in. Hey, he's brutalized. He's tired. He's dirty. He needs to sleep. He needs to rest. And the same is true for like the action in the series. Okay. Right. Like, um, now in regard to stain, cause we have to talk about stain cause we haven't been oh, here for yeah. a couple of weeks. We had sure. Matt, we had a massive stain chapter, you know, last chapter where he finally did things and said words that actually matter. You know what I mean? Since he was originally apprehended. So like, I think the progression mm-hmm. is cool. I don't know if people are complaining about like Stain's new ally-ish role in the story or whatever, but I'm, I feel like we've talked about it a lot in our reviews for My Hero Academia where it's like Stain was the Stain that we saw in his arc because of the way society was. Mm-hmm. Society is drastically different since that arc. And, and he was always crazy. And he was always crazy, but at the end of the day, his outlook was... I don't want to say, you know, I, I don't want to say anything that's going to make it seem like I'm okay with how shitty he was and how he murdered people or whatever. Yeah. But like, he was doing things for more of a reason in that crazy way back when the society was made up of heroes that were only there for money. Um, yeah. You know, and and like his ideology made, makes so much se- more sense the longer the series goes. Because when he was introduced, he introduced a philosophy that was very contradictory to the world that had been built up until that point. It was the first glimpse that we got into corruption inside of the hero society and like how things kind of felt weird to someone who was truly or who could be truly altruistic. It's like, okay, well, if this is the way that it's supposed to go, then why do we have so many heroes that care about their social status that care about like it felt very the boys in regards to commercial promotion of the heroes and like how they're sponsored by you know these big billboard companies that really want you to care about them on a popular level rather than like what they're actually doing for the world and it would be very easy even inside of our world if we lived in a world like that and especially through stories like the boys and and things like that where you're like is that really a hero right there I don't know. I mean, we just look at our like celebrity culture and right. like, like people like uh you know, Drake gets away with saying, Yeah, we're friends until she's eighteen. Oh you no. know, that's so Millie Bobby Brown, right? Oh yeah, exactly. no. no. And he's he's been like that before. Like it's right, right, not right. 
that scandal is nothing new. Right. And people are still like, Drake's the best, blah, blah, blah. Kanye this, Kanye that. I don't care about Kanye. I don't care about any of these guys. Like, um, if they make good music, good on them. But, like, yeah. most of them are dickheads. Right. And so um, when it comes back into My Hero Academia in a yeah. way where it's like, we didn't really understand Stain's outlook when he was first introduced because we weren't supposed to like we knew that there was an like the people who were really paying attention can go yo there's some like really intense philosophical stuff that's going on here a lot of moral quandaries that are being discussed inside of the narrative right now that aren't drastically apparent on the page but more so in social circles and communities that are talking about the events of chapters a lot of what stain was really going for had to be talked about off the page and then you go into the paranormal liberation front war you go into or even before that my villain academia even before that mm -hmm. little small setups that looking back make stain make so much more sense ideologically it's philosophically and now that the society is drastically different and we're seeing that stain was right in a lot of ways just through what we saw heroes do after the paranormal liberation front war where they just said this isn't the kind of heroism I signed up for. I was here for money and hoes. I'm out of here. You know what I mean? Like or we like, literally hey, saw that. Or it's like the celebrities that are like, hey, you know, I have, it's like that gal who played in Star Wars, right? Like that yeah. Asian gal who played mm -hmm. Rose and mm -hmm. she got bullied off the Twitter, dude. Like she's like that. And like, there, it's like, like, you know, the death grip gorilla guy. He's just like, yeah, death arms, death arms. There yeah. we go. Uh, he bounced too. He bounced because he couldn't handle like just the public backlash. Right. And it wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm here for the money. I'm here for the fame. He's just like, why are they hating on me? I literally did nothing wrong. Right. So but now, I now that society has shifted and there's this huge pivot in the mm -hmm. outlook and the actions and behavior of not just society but heroes in general since the Paranormal Liberation Front War, it makes sense that post-Tartarus breakout, Stain is a completely different, not completely different, he's still Stain, the things that he says is very Stain, but we're just getting a better insight into who he actually was now that he sees that society has changed and is realizing the things that he was saying was legitimate. Yeah, like, 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 like people are starting to say the thing, the same thing Stain was saying to the heroes right before he was apprehended. You know what I mean? So Stain is seeing all of this. He breaks out of Tartarus. He sees the state of affairs. He sees the heroes that were quitting That's that he always knew would. He always knew characters like Death Arms and characters like whoever the fuck stepped down after the war. He's like, I knew that would happen. I knew you were a bitch. I knew you weren't really a hero. I don't need to be that Stain anymore because the world gets it now. Yeah. You and know? the thing is, he's like, he's like, my point wasn't the calling. My point yeah. was that only the specific heroes that would rise up, take that flame, encourage it, share that flame with others. He wanted a Prometheus of like, uh, of like pride and prosperity and like community. He wanted those things, right? Um, but that's currently not happening. And even he even calls. He knows that All Might is the same All Might. Yes. But he even tells All Might to his face. He's like. Dude, you you're not that guy. Trust me, you're not that guy. You may be physically all might, but you are no longer the hero I worshipped. Right. And so, like, it's like he's like, but I think you can be. Like, he is very cryptic, and he's like, here's this information, you know, right. from Tartarus, the security stuff, the outbreak, um, and it's just like, wow, I love that he held 
It's it's weird to see him hold a guy to a standard so high that even the guy can't meet that thing. Right. Like that's a very interesting parasocial relationship. Yes. Again, with the celebrity tie-ins and like, how do you have a relationship with a person that you genuinely don't know? Right. Um, I love seeing that. And people Beautiful. are like, oh, Stain's more unhinged. And I'm like, no, he's just unfocused. Right. That's it. He's not unhinged. He's, he's got tunnel vision. He, he's got a, a guy with tunnel vision is in a place with no targets. Right. So he's just rambling. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all it is. Um, I love it though. I love the progression love of Stane's character. I think it makes I so love, much sense. Yeah. I really love the moment where he's just like, Hey man, she was the last person that the old all might. Yeah. Rescued. Saved. Yeah. Versus all for one. The, you're you're the new All Might, which is no All Might at all. Right. And, fire. Uh, so fire. And I, I love that because that transitions into this chapter um, where Azuku couldn't sleep. He's like, hey man, I'm wired. I, I, I was mean to All Might. I, you know, I was, I was cruel to him in my own tunnel vision and yeah. like personal despair. And they both apologized to each other. And, like, I love... And All Might said sorry first. Like, he pulled up and was like, hey, man, my bad. Like, he wasn't waiting for an apology from Deku. Deku felt like he owed him one. So All Might could have definitely came in and just said nothing and just stood there and been All Might. And Deku would have been like, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 blah. I've been waiting to tell you sorry. But the first thing All Might did, Toshinori came in and said, right I'm away, sorry. I am sorry for what I did. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's a subtle reminder of I like the kind beautiful. of character a real hero is you know what i mean i think it's beautiful because being the adult being the idol being the mentor yeah uh, him apologizing first defuses sort of like extremely one-sided power dynamic socially between him and midoriya yeah and so like by doing that it's just like hey you know i'm in this moment, apologizing you as an equal. Yeah. And then he he's already thinking, you know what, Stain was right. Those kids, they have what it takes, and I'm going to do what I can to help foster that flame. Yes. Like, I will be the bellows for them. You know, I yeah. will feed that flame. I will do what I can to keep that from ever going out. And I yeah. love that because, like, like All Might has been, like, losing his purpose. He's been, he's felt sidelined. He said right. it in the last chapter where he's just like, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I've been on the sidelines and people are taking care of me and I feel yeah. worthless. Yeah. And he's like, and Stain's like, no, you're worthless because you choose to be worthless. Yeah. <laughs> You you can help people. You can right. encourage the next generation. They're yeah. they're gonna have a hard time. They're gonna sputter in the rain. These yeah. flames, you know. And, I feel uh, like the storytelling of My Hero Academia since its beginning has gone into like a construction or a foundational laying of what it means to be either good or evil in the story, and then a deconstruction of both of those themes has come and gone multiple times throughout the series, all leading into this like structural rebirth of the philosophies at hand going into this 
final confrontation. You know what I mean? It's like everyone feels like they've gotten a rebirth of some kind at some point in the mm -hmm. series. You know what I mean? Whether it's Endeavor, All Might, Deku, Shigaraki, it doesn't matter. Stain, everyone red. has gone through such drastic pivots in their development and in their progression to the point where you can really say this feels like Phoenix Rebirth. You know, after the fire, like there's always some fiery ass situation that once those flames have kind of simmered down, out of the ashes comes a brand new outlook or a brand new character or a brand new philosophy or a brand new ideal that everyone, including the audience, is kind of getting reused to in the series. You know what I mean? And if that's one of the overarching themes that Kohei is trying to express inside of villainy and heroism, then like this is all just one study on moral blur. And, like, I, we've been talking about that for a long time, you know what I mean, like, inside of these segments. But, like, for a series, especially inside of a Shonen magazine, to drive these points home to this degree, I feel like the only other stories in the magazine that are driving it home to this point are, like, One Piece, Jujutsu Kaisen, maybe even Dr. Stone. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they all handle it drastically, drastically different. different. And I phenomenal think, in all directions, yeah. I think that My Hero Academia, uh, in a shonen manga series, is one of my favorites for a young audience. Yeah. Because it it's a little bit like, um, say, the Iron Giant movie, right? It doesn't yeah. shy away from the themes of death. It's a very informative movie that shows kids and introduces them to a complex concept yeah. in a digestible manner and shows great role models, like yes. non-toxic masculinity. Yes. A lot of instances of non-toxic masculinity. It's one of my favorite series, and like that's the thing. Like They're like, oh man, body parts are blowing up, and all this stuff, and I'm like, these kids play video games. Like, <laughs> like Fortnite's the tamest of them, and they yeah. still have zombies tear kids apart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, these kids are not going to be phased by that, especially right. if I'm like, hey, this is there's going to be some fights and stuff, okay? And they're like, okay, cool. And like, you know, and just be like, hey. And like, it never gets like extremely racy. It doesn't have like, uh, like, like absurd fan service that's like overtly sexual. Mineta right. is like the mouthpiece for that mentality and he's consistently punished and he's been dialed back quite a bit. Like, he stopped kind of being like that. And that may be his own personal growth. And he's just like, hey, man. Like, it's funny. Like, Mineta's like, I want to be cool. But he's still willing to be a hero after all of this. He's yeah. still willing to do it. And he's not acted out, like, super immaturely in a lot of the recent chapters or any of the, like, the little little screen time. Only when it makes have. sense, right? You know, yeah. like, when he's around the people he's the most comfortable with, sure, he can let his creep out or let his comedy out or let his immaturity yeah. out or whatever. You know what I mean? But, like, when it comes down to, like, brass tacks, like, Mineta has shown all of the gumption and conviction and, you know, like, what he needs to make you know that he deserves to be here as a hero candidate. Yeah. Just like anybody else. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, like, a little little mediocre goober, but, yeah. like, he's still, he's got guts. Right, 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 right. For sure, man. Even for a coward. Like, and I, I like that because I think in a story where people are like, oh, I need to be a hero, I need to be brave, characters like Mineta and Karishima have to exist to show that, like, hey, man, not everyone can be brave when they want to be. Right. The flawed characters can still kind of, like, join you on your journey. You know it's what impactful. I mean? 
and like everyone's flawed in my hero academia i don't want to act like bakugo Todoroki, and 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 midori are these perfect characters but like you know the characters that are they all have their massive flaws right the characters that are you know like way behind the the main three four five characters of of class 1a still even though they're less relevant feel like they deserve to be there for some reason a lot of people can't probably can't really pinpoint exactly what that reason is and some people might just outright disagree with that idea but like at the end of the day like the people that are really paying attention to my hero academia for what it's trying to do and not they just love it for what's trying to do. yeah exactly you know what i mean and i don't know it's one of those stories that's very easy to digest on a surface level you know but is also there you know on a deeply you know profound analytical le- level exactly yeah. you know what i mean like so maybe that was always kohei's plan is that a coincidence who knows makes more I sense mean, that it would be but like you never know with these eastern writers bro they just think differently you know what i mean mm-hmm. there there's a lot of cultural expectations that like it just doesn't translate for us so like right. i'm always going to be taken aback sometimes yeah um I and like that's just like the heartwarming thing and then there's like these last two pages just condense hey it's the adults we're doing our little briefing talking about like mm-hmm. they they give us a f- hard time limit two full months um, but really just one month because one month has already passed passed so it's one month I love that there's like it's basically a deranged letter to lo- love letter to all might yeah I saw that I was like oh shit funny dude stain is still one of my favorites i had a sticker of him on my phone but it wore off wait a minute wait a minute i didn't even like zoom in on this because i didn't even think that the that the text would possibly be legible uh legible at that distance but i like zoomed in only a true hero may act as the recipient of this information that disqualifies the phonies riff phonies who rear false mantles and act solely out of contemptible self-interest all might is the only hero worthy of my respect all might is the only one worthy of ending my life now more than ever the masses cry out for an unshakable sense of justice he embodies that dire absolute justice the world has grown dark indeed which is precisely why the symbol of peace must stand the vang as the vanguard to lead us all to a more just society, something, information, such as blah, blah. Yeah, and that's just, like, crazy that that much thought went into this, like, deranged love letter in, at a distance that most people wouldn't even think to I, zoom in and try to read. You know what I mean? So, good catch. Yeah, you I, know. literally just hand-waved, and I was like, oh, yeah, I probably can't read that. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know what I mean? So, it's like, man, it's like, I don't know, I dude. Like, Stain, Stain as a character is just some, something I've been waiting to see what Kohei wants to do next with. And I think that this direction, so far removed from his original, you know, characterization and development, while still, like, being true to his original ideology, while allowing yourself to change the character of someone like Stain, you know, like, so drastically based on the situation and knowing that it's all situational based on the events of the story that's happened so far, so it all makes sense... It's just masterful. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's honestly brilliant. And, like, Kohei putting this text on this note 
so far behind staying in a way that most people would just brush over and not zoom in on and try to read. It's like, that's really well-written. And it makes so much sense for Stain. We always knew that Stain was obsessed with All Might. And we never really knew exactly what that meant until like right around now. You know what I mean? And as like weird as it is that they're calling him an ally and that he seems to be working on our side for the most part, he's still he's at the still end of the day. He, he's still very... um. You know, he's still, he, he is unhinged, but like, he's very like self-aware. You know what I mean? He's like, look, I know that what I did was fucked up, but I did it for something that I truly believe in my heart of hearts was the right thing to do at the time. Even if it goes against societal norms and like and, what people yeah. think, you know, normally by and large is the right thing to do. So even though I acted this crazy because I felt so strongly about what I felt at the time, I still murdered 40 heroes. So when you get it back together, All Might, and you're ready to come back to the way that I think you should be and that everybody else probably agrees that you should be, you can come take my life as someone who murdered 40 fucking people. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to, exactly. He knows that he didn't, he shouldn't, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I haven't read Vigilantes. You want to know what? I did read Vigilantes up until I think I was current in Vigilantes for the arc that was introducing Stain. You know what I mean? So like, so, so like I got a little bit more staying in in vigilantes, you know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. and for him to come out and take responsibility at the end of all of this, like fanboying and really wild, erratic, you know, like unstained behavior in these scenes with all might, at least, at least as far as the stain that we understood before these scenes, like, I remember reading this, I was like, stain is acting kind of weird right now, but this is a face-to-face confrontation with all might. And we did know that there was a little bit of moral blur inside of what he was doing. So like this just fleshed that out all perfectly. And at the end of the day, he still said, I'm still a murderer. Come get me when you figure your life out because yeah, what I did was bad. He's like, he, he, he breaks out a Tartarus. He breaks out of Tartarus. He sees the way society is now. He's like, man, people are really waking up to my philosophy and they're really getting it now. What's left? All Might. Where's All Might at? There's All Might. I finally get to talk to dude. All right, I'm going to tell him what I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him he's not the real All Might, but I'm still going to give him the information that I would only give to All Might and see what he does with that. Once you read that, society's different. You'll go back to the old All Might, then come kill me. You know what I mean? Because I deserve to die. I killed 40 people, bro. Died. I will die for this you know, type shit. Yeah. This is what oh. I thought I had to do to enact change in this world. And now I feel like we're at that change. All we need is for you to go back to normal and then you can come snuff me out. That's so fucking cool. It is, oh God, it reminds me of this uh, Queen of the Stone Age li- song lyric where it's like, give me something beautiful to uh, die. F- uh, it's like, I, give me something to, worth, uh, it's like, give me something to die for so I can f- make it beautiful to live. Yes. And I was just like, yeah. Yes. Staying as fuck. Beautiful, man. So Love everything about it. Did you have anything Beautiful else you man. wanted to... Did you have any... Eyebrows. Beautiful, man. Yeah. <laughs> did you, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about My Hero this week? No, I don't think I've covered everything I want to say. Yeah, for sure. Great conversation, bro. I think, I've, I think that's it for me, too. All right. Getting into the Peace Daily Zestance. One Piece. Wow. Chapter 1026, The Pivotal <laughs> Clash. Look at this cover. We got um, we got Nami sizing up. Nami and Leo fashioning cute clothes for a lion cub by Ebby. Shout out to Ebby for the idea. Shout out to Tabata for putting this shirt on this lion cub. 
because someone on Twitter pointed out that this is like the same shirt that like Bellmare gave mm-hmm. to like Nami or something like way earlier in the story. Yeah. I don't specifically remember the time, but I saw it on Twitter and I was like, I fuck do. yeah. It was when, oh God, when I was a kid, I was yeah. straight up a child and still had the Shonen Weekly, sh- like the monthly, sh- like Shonen Jump mailed to my doorstep. Yep. I got a lot of those behind me right here. The I whole like top of level of my shit is like and all was, Weekly Shonen Jump shit. And it was Belmere, like, um, I believe that they had a sunflower thing and then there was a hole in the shirt because they were poor and she just made it a lion instead. Oh, wow. I think that's right. Holy shit. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, such a throwback. <laughs> yeah, super throwback. And that, it's crazy that he can do all these throwbacks and it's a thousand and twenty six chapters in. Yeah. Insane. It's like monstrous. Yeah. Um but speaking of monstrous, it's Kaido fight time. It is it's... Kaido fight time. This is cool. I'm glad Luffy's yeah. back. Um this this Momo versus Kaido stuff definitely could have been fumbled, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think I've said that in our reviews that like this could be setting up to something very awkward inside of One Piece, but I'm happy to see that this clash between Kaido and Momo was like for nothing more than to just give Momo some spiritual growth closure in a form where he could get a lick in on Kaido for everything that he's put him through up until this point and not to actually show, you know, a real fight between the two just because Momo is a bigger dragon. Now I'm still confident that Momo will be reverted back to you know, his original age somehow at the end of all of this. But, like, I'm so glad that they're not, like, legitimately boxing as dragons. Like, he throws out his little bite. Like, Luffy's like, bite this nigga, bro. And he's like, all right, bet. Uh, I mean, like, at first he was like, I don't think I can do it. Luffy's like, dude, we're here. What else are you going to do? It's Kaido. I'm with you. Bite this motherfucker, bro. You know, and he's like, ah, I don't know if I can. And then he thinks back to all of his trauma and goes, fuck it, ah, and then bites him. Like, the motivation going into the bite, the flashback going into the bite, and that being the only real thing that Momo does makes it feel a lot better to me. And yeah, Mm -hmm. Kaido looks like he's screaming out in pain right here, but then you turn the page and he's like, what are you doing, little nigga? (laughs) It's Kaido, baby. You Come on, man. Like, you, you, you a big dragon now. You big dragon, man. But, like, I'm I, still Kaido, brother. You know what I'm saying? I do like that as a dragon, his teeth actually do puncture his sure. scales. Sure, yes. And, it's like, okay, yeah. It's like, you know, it's like when a tiny dog bites you. I was like, yeah, right. you bit me. Right. But you're, like, the size of my foot. <laughs> right. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about the bite actually puncturing him. Because we can definitely see the teeth sinking in here. And everyone mm-hmm. talks about how Kaido is this impenetrable wall. That you need Kaido, specifically Conqueror's Hockey or some shit, to kind of damage. You know what I mean? And it's, like, fine. That's totally fine inside of, like, non-Dragon Devil Fruit characters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, And I don't want to say that Kaido having this devil fruit and being aged all this time gives him the power that he needs to damage kaido but like this could totally just be a situation where we just don't understand how strong this smile fruit that he ate is we know that momo himself is not a combatant he's trying to get trained by zoro here and there it's not enough training to warrant him being able to damage kaido legitimately no matter how we try to stretch it or reach for it but at the end of the day this damage that we're seeing here could come entirely from Momo's devil fruit, for all we know. And Honestly, just because we haven't gotten the exposition saying 
anything like that. At the end of the day, it's an unheard of dragon devil fruit versus another unheard of dragon devil fruit. So like, you really just don't know. You know what I mean? Like, until Oda decides to give us exposition from Vegapunk that says this is a perfected smile, or maybe it's the flawed smile. I can't remember the Punk Hazard dialogue off the mm -hmm. top of my head. But, like, you never fucking know, dude. Like, if all Momo did was bite this nigga, you know what I mean? And, and, and then he went off and, like, he got his licks in. He feels better about himself. That's the kind of growth we need. For, like, he had to get a lick in on Kaido. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, If you're going to grow him 20 years and you're going to give him this dragon body inside of this devil fruit and you're going to make kaido this terrible person who did these terrible things to momo momo has had to, has had to go through things that no eight-year-old should ever have to experience and now he's here right here with this motherfucker face to face and he's in his dragon form let him bite him dude let him exactly. bite him. let him get um, his fucking like little tiny retribution he doesn't have to beat kaido he doesn't have to fight him for real just let him get his bite kaido goes damn all right, Momo. Luffy goes, yeah, Momo, you just bit a Yonko. You have nothing to be scared of no more, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, That's amazing. There's a single thing left in the world for you to be scared of. Right. And he's like, no, no. And I like how these, like, invisible, like, radio spies with the face talismans yeah. are, like, broadcasting loud-ass Luffy mm -hmm. to, like, right. to, the, to the rest of the compound inadvertently. Right, right, right. Tired spy on people. Yeah. Um, I, and, like, in, classically in mythology, dragon parts is usually the key to killing a dragon. Right. Like exactly, have, like, bro. Exactly. Like, like, like even like Siegfried, the dragon slayer, manages yes. to trick a dragon, kill a dragon at the last second, cut its throat. He bathes in the dragon's blood and becomes strong, and then hunts other things yes. that are on par with dragons. Right. So like for me, drag like, um, like. That's another thing, though, dude. Because it's like okay, I'm trying to think of examples of where. You need to have the parts of a dragon to fight a dragon. And I don't want to say it's Lord of the Rings. I know they had Mithril armor, which was like made from dragons in some kind of way. I can't remember off the top of my head, well, but then you also... It just makes sense. Well, you also have like, like Pokemon. Dragon is strong against drag. Wait. Is it? <laughs> wait, 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 like, wait, 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 wait. No, uh, but like it makes sense because like any animal, right, will fight yeah. for t food, for territory, for mates. Dragons shouldn't be any different. Yeah, yeah. And See, so dragons' weakness is ice, dragon, fairy, and rock, according to according yeah. to Google. But I knew that dragon was one of them. You know what I mean? So it's like, and and this is a Japanese IP. You know what I mean? So like that's coming from mythology or Shintoism to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Or maybe just maybe it's a Chinese what? thing. I don't fucking know, but like we've seen it so often in fiction that you need dragon related things to fight a dragon. You know what I mean? So like, it's not that much of a stretch that Momo gets this bite in here and it doesn't look to have done all that much damage. You know what I mean? It was so, just enough to startle him. Right. Like right. he was just like, and, and it's a nearby places that he was wounded before by Zoro, by Luffy. Good so point. it's just like, really oh, good point, it, actually. It, it's, it's like, you know, when you get punched, like, like you get, you have a bruise from an earlier thing and you get punched in the side with the bruise. It's going to hurt yeah. for a bit. Straight like, up. It passes. Straight up. Um, so like, this is that kind of moment for me. Yeah. And in, within this chapter, I really liked the way this, uh, transitioned so like 
I like when the dragons are fighting each other and they're spiraling out of like the way of the blast breath and the way they're coiling around and yes. flying. I love that stuff, the aerial dogfight. And then their own fight causes the clouds to like brew as if like twin dragons are like dancing around and yeah. like like lightning and generating clouds. Right. Uh, and we know that Eastern dragons bring storms with them. Eastern, Chinese dragons. Chinese dragons often, specifically uh, bring rain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it is I think it is Chinese dragons specifically that that are that have to do with a change of weather. Absolutely. But like it's just it's just like man, you want to know what actually how little uh Momonosuke has done in his dragon form. Okay, so we know that he was aged ahead for whatever reason, and then he brought Luffy back to Kaido, bit him once, and now he's going back to go like try to save Push the dropping of Onigashima onto the flower yeah. capital. So it's like those three reasons why Momonosuke is in this position right now are like way better than like what I thought he, uh, Oda was transforming him for. You know what I mean? And if that's all he's going to do, then I am even I'm more confident. I'm even, not only am I happy about it, but I'm even more confident that he is going to be reverted back to his original age once this is all said and done. You know what I mean? Because yeah. otherwise, it's like, if that's all you were going to have him do, then why did you need to age him this much to do all this? Like, just for the bite? I think it's And then you're going to keep uh, him that way? You know what I mean? Like, for the rest of his life? No, 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 no. I think a jewelry Bonnie pulls up and puts him back or maybe Shinobu. I don't remember if there was any dialogue around Shinobu that says she can only age you one way. I don't, I don't remember, but, um, the, but either way, there's concepts more. inside of the story that can, that can put this back to normal. You know what I mean? So like, if this is all he's going to do, I feel very strongly that he's going to go back to normal after all of this. I don't know. I think that it's like a worthy sacrifice because the idea that, um, his childhood was stolen from him and that his sacrifice is that he never really will get his childhood and he just grows oh, sure. into that. So I feel like it's more yeah. of like a metaphorical thing where he's like growing into that actual thing where he's like, I can never be a child. I lost that way too yeah. early. Not um, only like figuratively, but also like literally in the fact that like I jumped past my childhood years mm -hmm. in and my childhood body to come back to this climactic point against Kaido for retribution. So like, Dude, that's I, cool. I loved his hatred of Kaido. You ruined my country. If it wasn't for you, my mother, my father would still be here. Like the hatred that you could see in his eye on like yeah. page eight, yeah. I was just like, "Yeah, let that righteous anger out, little man. Yeah. You got this." And honestly, um, if Momo does stay this like accelerated age, a lot of the people that wanted to see him develop from a young child into a man under training from the retainers and go into this situation where he can truly own or run, you know, Wano Kuni. I feel like it can still happen even if he's fast forward aged, right? Because it's like he does this, he does what he does in this arc, he bites Kaido, he brings Luffy back to him, he goes to go save the flower capital, and then like Kaido's defeated, Momonosuke is the daimyo shogun, whatever it is, the emperor, whatever, you know what I mean? And oh, then yeah. he still needs the retainers 
to mature him spiritually beyond where he is. He can he can run the shit in in his accelerated age, and Oda can still respect the fact that he's a child at mind and have all of Oda or uh you know Odin's retainers bring him up to adulthood yes he sacrificed 20 years of his life that goes into your point about how his childhood was already cooked to begin with because of kaido and orochi's influence on the country so like if you really lean into it like that where it's like he doesn't need that childhood to progress in linear regular progression of years and you just take that as like a figurative your childhood is gone kind of thing I could totally see Oda leaning into that. It's like, yeah. after after I, all of this, he's like, I, man, I'm like 20 years. Like, I just flashed forward like 20 years of my life. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I could have been a kid or whatever. They'll be like, it's all good, Momonosuke. We still going to train you in this swordsmanship. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. One Piece primes are like 60, 70 years old or some shit. 50, 60, right. 70 years old or some shit. Like, you know, you'll like be good. Yeah, like, you'll be all right, bro. You know what I mean? Like, he can still be the ruler that his country needs him to be even if he didn't gradually progress into that manhood as a regular coming of age story would have you know what i, I mean i think um like two chapters ago even his retainers are just like no we will always support you and even like i think they say something effectively like even though you rob kaido, kaido even though you robbed him of his childhood we will train this man did they really say man. that train it's like we will train this boy to be a man hey comment section let us know if that's a line of dialogue because if it is then that's like massive to me but like that's fire like a couple chapters ago yeah i, I don't remember quite i don't remember but i feel like that's true like i feel like that's facts i could totally see the the scabbards like kind of the beach, yeah they're like are we gonna age him are we gonna age him it's like no it doesn't matter and it was this guy who had like the like like almost like a keyhole shaped face where it's right, like right, a square right. jaw round head and he had the little like aku master of evil right. kind of haircut yeah uh, <laughs> from what i remember wait a minute i think that's uh oh man i remember someone having the aku silhouette too i just literally cannot yeah, remember I who it remember is yeah, yeah, yeah. like the last couple of chapters there's a lot of fights it's a little cluttered i'm like ah, right. I, you know, I think you're i think you're on something though so. so like i yeah. don't know my brain is sometimes full for sure for um, sure but well, in this chapter i liked the whole clouds covering ending the sulong effect after uh the cat and the dog guy right um uh, inuarashi and, and like, neko mamushi yeah i love that where they're like okay we're powering up we're fighting jack we're fighting prospero um and then they're like oh no we're losing and then luffy doing that like climactic clash yes doing the all might thing where he splits the sky yeah. and causes the weather to change right and they're like boom reversal because i like that like it's always darkest before the dawn kind of Ooh. imagery yeah, i dude. love that kind of thing um and I like that the uh, the bad guys are just like, oh man, that was lucky. Well, we're winning now. And then it's just like, right. nope, psych reversal within a single chapter. Get fucked. And it feels uh, really good because it's like, okay, dragons bring in a change of weather. It brings in storms. It brings in rain. It brings in clouds. And then that also plays into the effect of weather that King's hockey has, right? Because like, uh mihawk goes to go tell shanks about luffy's new bounty after he beats um 
who was it that he bought that he beat before he went to skypea that gave him a hundred million berry bounty and then like bellamy and his people are just shook looking at the numbers of his bounty anyway like after that situation after jaya before skypea i'm pretty sure is where the timeline is mihawk rose on his boat over to where he knows shanks is huge fucking thunderous cloud over the island he pulls up everyone's like that's mihawk oh my god let him through and then he goes all the way past all of you know uh shanks's subordinates and you see shanks just sitting like ominously like 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 shadows over his face you can't see his expression he looks pissed zoomed out you know what i mean and then there's like a huge thunderstorm above him and then mihawk's like i'm here to tell you about luffy have you heard about his new bounty and shanks is like this motherfucker got a hundred million and Mihawk's like, yeah, bro, like, what the fuck? And he's like, hey, <laughs> let's drink, bro. And then the fucking clouds part Break, and the sun yeah. shines through and they turn the fuck up. And we know that Mihawk and 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 Shanks have King's hockey, at least Shanks mm -hmm. for sure. Absolutely. You know Shanks. what I mean? And definitely Mihawk by extension, I want to say. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that we, and, and, and then you have, you know, Roger Pirates versus um, Shiki. In the uh, the Rocky, not the Rocky Port incident, but the uh, that because that's law. But like one of those wars, Cheeky had this motherfucker dead to rights, and then all of a sudden a storm rolled in that shifted the you know the the tides the in in Roger's favor, and um, and a lot of people attribute that to King's Hockey. So we know that like King's Hockey clashes affect the weather. We know that dragons affect the weather. So the dragons coming together, bringing the clouds together, and then the kings fighting, separating them. It's beautiful, bro. I like that as well. And like uh, the like whole Roger using the storm rolling in yeah. reminds me of um, when the Japanese uh, had a storm that fended off an entire Mongolian invasion. Hey, yo. And sank like an entire fleet of ships. And the, like it happened like twice. Like they tried to get invaded navally twice by a much larger force. And then there was two massive storms just sank everything and kept uh japan thing and they believed it was the will of the gods and stuff hey so, like, yo no it was the color of the supreme yeah. king fuck you talking yeah. about wow yeah, that's why the, the, the hockey stuff the king's hockey is kind of really cool stuff yeah um and then like you were talking about how like dragons bring in the weather who is a son of a dragon luffy luffy's the son of d dragon hello wait this is a connection Ooh. i haven't made yet personally <laughs> I'm sure the community has definitely talked about this to some degree because, like, whenever I think that I got a really cool One Piece idea, it turns out the and community like, already thought about it. I but like, think, holy fuck! Uh, in this conversation, does that slap? Dragon, he appears at like an execution and for Luffy he, in Logetown. Yeah, and he shows up. The weather is terrible, and he's terrifying. Yeah, and I think it's because of Dragon. Because like, see, now that is a combination of Dragon and king's hockey because yeah. we know dragon has the color of the supreme king mm -hmm. and his name and so is he, dragon so that's he even doubly oh boy upset. his boy was gonna get executed and he's like oh man and then he shows up to like save his son and he's like hey yo smoker this Don't ain't this. what you want to do bruh <laughs> and smoker's like all right Wait. i'm a chill <laughs> <laughs> you can't turn to smoke on me. he was he, he had luffy like dead to rice bro he was about to clap his shit and then as mm. he reared back grab dragon grab hey nah not that Hands one up. he's like boy you right every motherfucker <laughs> and they're just like bounces. you know what that's above my pay grade <laughs> yeah. 
that's above my pay grade. I'm out. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. Oh my god. Yeah, so like I love like the layered symbolism and like the references to like things that have happened within the previous series. Yes. I like that a lot. And then like getting like the feline frenzy and the canine cleaver like rebuttal takes beautiful down, beautiful uh, love the alliteration in both of the attacks i feel like you need at mm -hmm. least three words to make an alliteration but you know what i mean mm -hmm. B, double f double c you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so like that's cool souls. naming Four conventions souls. are always fire for anything inside of one piece but i love this double page spread i knew that like i feel like a lot of people complained when jack originally fell over during the initial raid and like it seemed like he was like done it like that's all we get for jack oda's losing it and i'm like jack's like getting back up like you have to be brand new to one piece if you think that the culmination of a plot a that mammoth. started in zo and stretched over two arcs until now is going to be concluded with an entirely off-screen confrontation now i understand that like this conclusion might not be satisfactory to that point in a lot of people's minds but like hey kitty <laughs> love you Lo love that kitty but i know that you know it might not be you know as complete as a lot of people would want it to be considering how long this conclusion has been cooking but like mm -hmm. still the anime is going to fill in a lot of these gaps i want to say and I feel like we're just at a point in the story where I don't want to say that everything that people are disappointed about is going to be fixed in the anime because Oda is still writing a week-to-week -week manga, so he still has to perform in the manga, even if he's hoping that the anime will fill in a lot of these gaps. We still only get this series week-to-week, -week, so we have to talk about it and criticize it on a weekly basis. But, like, if you've been following One Piece for any amount of time, besides this arc... Like, if you got current in Wano, a lot of these complaints make sense. Maybe, mm -hmm. I guess. I don't know. But, like, I mean, as someone who's been current in, in One Piece for, like, over 10 Childhood. years. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? It's like, I've had to sit with each chapter for at least a week in between for 10 years. You know what I mean? And there's been a lot of skepticism in between these chapters week to week. And the skepticism although warranted usually ends up like the criticisms that are made inside of that week or two week or even three week gap ends up being incorrect you know what i mean like to some to some degree like people complaining about odin in his flashback dancing for fucking orochi or whatever like what the fuck happened to my chad and it's like there's a reason for there's, this brother you know what i'm saying reason. fucking there's wait for it reason. Like, you got this happen. chapter with no explanation, and you were forced to wait a week for the explanation. Two weeks, maybe, for the explanation. Breathe, and you didn't know what the fuck to do. So all you had to do was slander because you didn't understand what was happening. That's because you're a reader and not an author, first of all. Second of all, it's fucking Oda. You know what I mean? Like, so it's breathe, like, man. if Let you've been happen. reading this shit week to week, or if you've been reading this shit chapter. for a long time, you should know how the fucking game goes at this point. Oda introduces some sketchy shit, and then fucking makes sense of it later. In a way that's usually okay for most people. Oh, so, yeah. you know, it, it, 
I don't know. I'm not. I, I feel like I complain about this 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 point a lot in this segment. So I'm gonna chill. I'm I'm <laughs> about four fucking Mexican honeys deep now. So I feel like I'm starting Ooh. to ramble because of like drunk stuff. But like, dude, this chapter was hype. It was amazing. It concluded a lot of things that we've been waiting for the conclusion of. And Luffy split the fucking sky with Kaido. That's a big deal. I, yeah, it's just epic. It's a I, big deal. I'm waiting for that fight. It's gonna be so good. Other thing I'm waiting for is what's up with Orochi? Mm -hmm. He's he was beheaded. Is it like his dismembered head has like grown a little tiny body? Is he like uh nine lives of a cat, except for it's eight heads of an Orochi? Of a high yeah, yeah. Well yeah. see the thing about the thing about Orochi is like it goes back to what I'm saying again. How long you've been reading One Piece? Because there were yeah. people when when Kaido originally sliced his head off, they're like that motherfucker's dead as fuck. And no, I was like, "You're thinking. tweaking because, like, no, you know what I mean. No one gets fucking killed in One Piece that fast with no drastic, dramatic buildup whatsoever to it. Orochi is someone who needs to die in a built-up way with everybody mm. who hates him around to see it. You know what I mean? The it needs to be a thing. Yeah, it, like it literally needs to be a thing. So Kaido just nonchalantly lopping this dude's head off. If you thought he was dead after that, I'm sorry. But like you probably caught up to One Piece on the wiki is all I'm, I'm going to say. Yeah. And, and, so and then he comes back, which we knew he would. Yeah. And then gets I mean, no diffed by the scabbards in that one scene. And we're like, okay. And then everyone's like, okay, now he's done for sure. And I'm like, no. really? He's named after an eight-headed mythological hydra. He's got okay. at least eight times of this. You know what I mean? Like, come he on. He hasn't died multiple times doing the hag's will. Is he really a hydra? Form. Yeah, exactly. I like, think, I think it's just a magical boon that he's just like, yeah, no, I'm on like my fourth head. I died that one time. Yeah. Left me in the mountains. Something like, like that. It's like, come on. Like, be a better One Piece fan. I'm sorry. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. to be a good one, though. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, this is a great chapter. incredible chapter. Can't wait for the for for the next chapter because it's setting up so much. You know what I mean? Like obviously Luffy versus Kaido, but also Orochi is back. Carrot. Um, I really want to see what's going on with Carrot. You know, after all of this and how she mm. interacts with Inuarashi and Nekomamushi, especially after the you know death or at least vanquishing of um Shutenmaru or or Ashura Doji and yes especially after the defeat of 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 Pero Sparrow but I feel like there's just so much emotional stake riding on the defeat of the characters that have been defeated in this chapter mm. you know for, for multiple characters yeah I'm waiting for the wakes that that are like hey how can we celebrate them it's like well maybe we can smile and yeah. like have them celebrate have those smiles and it not be forced which is a huge thing in wano i want that happen thing to happen that would be beautiful closure and they're doing the closure for momo so i expect that closure to happen for the community of characters yeah yeah I'm really happy with the chapter for what it showed inside of kaido <laughs> versus momo this is a point of contention inside of the community from what i followed on um twitter mostly you know what I mean? And it, yeah. I think it got to me to the point where I was like, oh my God, is Oda going to fumble this? And then seeing the execution on it, it's like, this isn't going anywhere near the way I'll that fumble. I thought it would based on the conversations that I had about, you know, the leading up to this chapter. So like, I'm happy in that regard. I don't know, you know, who is really going to agree or disagree with our sentiments, but at the end of the day, I'm glad that Momonosuke's role was relegated to 
bring Luffy to the roof, get your licks in on Kaido so that you can feel some kind of retribution, even if you aren't the one to defeat him, or even box him on an equal level. Go back and save, you know, the flower capital in any way that you possibly can. We'll see how that unfolds eventually. But, like, a lot of people thought this was going to be a legitimate dragon-on-dragon fight. And, sure, we got, like, a little gag moment. I want to say it's a gag moment of when of when Momonosuke bit this dude. Power yeah, scalers are going to go, this is damage. Ah! You know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you literally turn the page and Kaido's like, what are you doing, bro? Oh, what? You know what, what I mean? This? So it's like, this is not a big deal to me in the way that I thought it possibly could have been. Once again, I want to say that I apologize to Oda for even allowing myself to think that this could go as poorly as... I was led to believe it could leading up to this chapter. Phenomenal situation. Phenomenal chapter. Can't wait for the next one. Do you have anything else to say about One Piece this week? Uh, you know what? As long as I'm alive, I have infinite chances. Hard line. And uh, as long as you're alive, there are infinite chances. Hey, love it. Love it. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Project Manga Podcast. Thank you all so much for watching. If you did, make sure you slap a like on the video and if you enjoyed it and hit the subscribe button if you're new um and make sure you check out our description section where you'll find ways to follow us on individual social media sites like twitter ways to join our online communities like discord listen to the project manga podcast wherever you normally listen to your podcasts and ways to support what we do here by checking out our online store and our patreon once again shout out to artesian builds our new sponsor recently partnered with them they've got incredible gaming computers and gaming computer parts so if you want to check them out we have a description uh or we have a promo code in the description for 200 dollars off on your new rig if you are in the market but with all of that being said i think that will do it for this episode of the project manga podcast wrapping up i'm your host Knox. I'm Melo Yenis. And we'll catch y'all next time.